What's up? How's everybody doing? Uh, Phil is late. I have no idea where he is. Should be here soon. Uh, this is episode 69 of Snakes and Stogies. Um, I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Um, so you'll see this is the background now. I did a giant rearranging of my room this uh, today. Got this massive uh, 10 Cambro, like big Cambros too, not small ones. Uh, big new rack. And so I had to do a bunch of rearranging. And so I had this hanging on the wall where that rack is. And since you couldn't see it anyways, I said, I'll hang it up as the background. And uh, yeah. So hello, Phyllis. Salutations. So I'm looking at the clock and I'm not late. Did you you're start not, early? You're not. No. So I made a new intro reel. Okay. Um, and it's five minutes instead of 10. Ah. I made it shorter because I was like, at this rate, we rarely wait the whole 10 minutes. And I notice a lot of people will come in and then I see a lot of people leave before we even start. So that thing was just too long. So I decided to cut it in half. There's actual audio and stuff now. All right, awesome. Uh, I was worried I was going to be late, and then I was early. I was two minutes early, and I'm still fucking late. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm um, a mess. What's new? Um, I was trying to spray down enclosures with my, my Exoterra pump sprayer mm -hmm. uh, to make it rain in the enclosure, and I realized that if you have, if you pitch it at the right angle in a vision cage and you have the right leaves and like decor in there, you can get it to pool like heavy raindrops and it sounds like it's raining and it's awesome. That's cool. And I don't know why I found that so cool, but I felt good about it because like I'm making it rain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some quick news. Snakes and Stogie Zippos are now. I'm taking money for pre-ordering uh, so I can do a bulk order. Has Student of the Serpent on one side, Brothers of the Leaf on the other with the Snakes and Stogies logo. Um, the torch insert you will have to buy separately on Amazon. Um, they, Zippo has a, a Zippo brand one, and it's it's one of the best Zippo torch lighters that I've I've seen. There's you can find some cheaper, but this one really was like, I think only 14 bucks and, uh, I love it way more than some of the other ones I've used. So, uh, yeah, taking orders for these already got a handful. I got like 12 or so people on board so far. I'm one of um, them. Yep. I'm going to get them ordered. Hopefully everyone will have them within the next week and a half or so. Um, I'm going to leave it up for another day or so and make sure we get everybody in that once in. Um, and then we'll make it happen. So now are, are you mailing it to the individuals or is the company doing it? No, I'm going to be mailing them. So I'm going to basically, basically I'm, I'm placing a bulk like wholesale order, but I need to know, like you get a discount depending on how many you order. So the more I order, the cheaper it is. And if I can get everybody, like as many people that want them this round as they can, then that makes it easier. So, awesome. uh, and I'm, I think I'll likely do another order later in the year, maybe depending on if, you know, there's still enough interest. Okay. Um, but 
yeah, I'm going to be shipping it myself. So that 40 bucks is basically covering the cost of this, cost of shipping, packaging, all that stuff. So good stuff. Now, seeing as I was two minutes late, did I miss our sponsors? Uh, no, but okay, they are here I'm, in the chat. They're here in the chat. I was waiting for you to show up so you could, because you, you're such a pro when it comes to remembering. Well, see, thing. and you, it's funny you say that because I, Usually, you and I will both throw up an Instagram story ad for the, yeah. sh the evening show, yeah. and I always tag our wonderful sponsors, and today, I was at work, and my mind just wasn't there, and I neglected to tag our wonderful sponsors, and I How feel- could you? I feel legitimately dreadful about it. So, for those of you wondering, Snakes and Stogies is proudly brought to you by the fine people at Puget Sound Pythons the finest of captive bred pythons in North America. Check them out, Instagram, Facebook, Puget Sound Pythons, uh, Morelia, uh, Somalia, uh, ball pythons, Liasis, ball pythons. Cyania, Boiga. Cyania, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Apodora. Freaking Apodorable. I had so, no idea Billy was joining us, so I just sent Billy the link. Oh, oops, my B. So yes, but... Snakes and Stogies is proudly brought to you by Pewsound Pythons, and I'm dreadfully sorry for neglecting the tag on Instagram. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, if you're in the Snakes and Stogies group, um, the like directions for that are in there. Otherwise, you can message me on Facebook, and we will make it happen. But you just you can PayPal forty dollars as friends and family to Snakes and Stogies at gmail.com, and that's Snakes A N D. Stogies, not the ampersand, but and like written out um, at gmail.com. So, speak of the devil. Look well, at there that. There he is. Look at that shirt he's wearing, too. Hey. I was going to wear that shirt, and I said, you know what? No, I, I'm not going to wear it tonight. going to drink your own Kool Aid tonight. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong. I've been known to drink my own moonshine, but tonight I, I didn't. So. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Billy Hunt. What are we smoking upon tonight? Tonight, I am smoking my last, and I say that because I purchased these with you, my last Gurkha Aged 15 Grand Reserva. Mm. And I'm excited about it. So I am starting out with this Mildias from crown heads we just got these in at work the other day but this is the slightly smaller size um i think it's like a grand corona or something so i've not had this before i'm very anxious to try it uh i was very impressed these have gotten a lot of hype online i've seen a lot of people talking about them and how good they are uh the toro was awesome it's a very good stick i was expecting it to be more expensive than it was toros were like 11.95 i was expecting it to be somewhere in like the 13 14 dollar range um so these, yeah, these are fantastic. Uh, really enjoy them. And then back up, we got Jericho Hills back in. So I'm pretty pumped about that too. So this is the uh, the Willie Lee, which is a semi-box press uh, 6 by 52-ish, if I had to guess. Um, and then before we get into like anything, I was going to talk about... So I was in the Dollar Tree earlier because I've been on Dollar Tree kick lately because that's where I get all my water bowls and stuff. Nice, and, uh, nice. Dark chocolate. I've talked about it before with cigars. You want a good palate cleanser before you smoke so you get more flavor out of them and you kind of you, you don't have any other 
Like if you just drank a bang or a beer like Billy, but you don't want to like that jack up the flavor of the cigar or I guess Fiji, um, you just take some dark chocolate, not milk, dark chocolate. And you, you eat a piece. Uh, if you really want to get fancy, you can eat some raw, like unsalted almonds. That'll dry your mouth out. Um, and then the dark chocolate cleanses your palate. And you will then get to experience your cigar more thoroughly. So figured I'd throw that out there. It's really good. Excellent. And you get to enjoy delicious chocolate while you do it. Correct. Correct. I actually was so rushed to get out here to set up my computer and everything. I had this bottle of Fiji water and uh, I was going to pour myself an adult beverage and I completely forgot to. So I may get up in a couple minutes and do that. But tonight we have a special show. First of all, Billy's here with us. We love you, Billy. Um, Thanks, but Billy. tonight we, we have a couple things we want to talk about. Nothing crazy, but for those of you who didn't catch last week's episode of the Herbiculture Podcast, um, we had Kevin Messenger, Dr. Kevin Messenger on talking about his new book with uh, collaborations from Matt Most. Uh, the, and I'm going to butcher the name, Rat Snakes of China and Their Kin. Uh, yeah, rat Snakes of China, Asia, the Asian Rat Snakes of Greater China and Their Kin. Yes. And their kin of Greater China. Something. Yes. Yes. Some yes. That, yeah. Um, but, also, quick announcement. So, screw the little uh, digital number generator. Another awesome Dollar Tree find was this little bingo set. So, I have 1 through 25 in here. So, next time we do a raffle, we can do it on air, uh, which we do the other ones on air, too. But... The, the algorithm thingy in the uh, in the digital generator I don't I, I don't know that I trust it so what better way than with a good old-fashioned bingo doohickey I gotta be honest like it's funny but those things work like a million bucks yeah and you know there's you know the algorithm quote unquote isn't gonna mess things up it's a legitimate rolling of the ball yep so I have it ready to go whenever we do the next raffle, which I believe the one next month uh, will have some some Venom Life stuff in it. Yes, it will. So it's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this lit. Do it. So uh, seeing as how we had you know Doctor Messenger on uh, speaking about his new book, um, we decided to talk about books again, and I know Justin had a couple. Uh, <laughs> findings that he recently was reading up on. Um, we're going to talk about that in terms of venom toxicity and some species that are very, very similar in their niche, but their venom is now believed to be even more similar than their, you know, bodies themselves. So we're going to discuss that a little bit. And then we want to keep on the topic of books because we all love books. We all love learning, whether we, you know, have reference books for, you know, quick lookups on a species or husbandry or what have you, or if we're just morbidly curious about a particular, you know, herpetological topic. Um, we, uh, the three of us decided that we were going to pick a couple of our favorite books and share them with you guys and uh, kind of get feedback from other people if they've read them before, what their opinions of them were and kind of go from there. And Johnny bear wants to know what Billy works with real quick. What doesn't Billy work with? <laughs> I was about to say real quick, but no, didn't go with that. 
carpets, green trees, uh, carpondros, jagpondros, maclots, spotted pythons. Uh, what do I got? Python lines. Uh, Amazon tree boas, uh, beauty <laughs> snakes. Sorry, I'm looking around. Uh, Pacillanotis, Spilotes. Am I missing anything? Uh, Patias. Pac-Man frogs. <laughs> I love that thing. I don't care what you guys say. Make fun of me. That's a cool freaking frog. But yeah, I, I got a lot of stuff, Johnny. Be sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Uwabami Reptiles. Right there. You see it on right 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 on his, his left hand side. Right. I'll see my right. It's not working. Yeah. I try. Throw a pickup of that really nice female on eggs. Okay. I I don't know if I bet you Phil can. Phil's the master when it comes to getting that stuff right quick and in a hurry. What did I do? I can just do it on my phone. That too. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, how many? How big were those clutches? That one was seven. I'm still waiting on the other female to drop. Is that pretty uh, big for macklets? Uh, ten's a pretty big one for them. So okay. usually six to ten from what I've gathered. Uh, the eggs are pretty big. I was surprised. They look big. Like compared yeah, to her, it was like God. It looked painful. Yeah, she's not a huge female, so I was surprised too. They were double the size of the, the carpet clutch I had a couple days before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're having a much better year than you did last year. That's for sure. Seems oh like my you're, gosh! Yeah, I think you're you're kind of you're you're getting your your redemption. Yeah, I still I'm still waiting on three three more clutches for sure, and then there's a couple more females that uh. That I'm not sure if they're gonna go. They might go. We'll see. Uh, yeah, it's a good year so far. I think I have six clutches in the incubator. Six or seven. Nice. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. So I'm uh this second clutch of cyania for me is due to hatch hopefully on the twenty fifth. Somewhere around there. Might be a little before, might be a little after. We'll see. How Pretty many eggs was that? Uh, those she laid would have been maybe mid-December. How many eggs were in the clutch? Oh, uh, eight, but one of them looks like it probably won't hatch, but you never know. I've seen worse. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely could be surprised. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. That's see cool, what man. happens. I already got the rack set up and everything for them. I'm ready. That new rack you have is uh, gorgeous, dude. I'm yeah. freaking exhausted, and like I, I had to down me a bang quick before this started because I've been. We had literally had to rearrange the entire room just to get that thing to fit. It's okay. So my ceilings are maybe seventy five inches tall, Florida, Florida, Florida ceiling. And that rack is 72 inches tall. So I had all of three inches of clearance. 
So you, you can't you can't stand up in your room. What? Math it's might like, be a little it's seven. It's like seven foot and change. Okay, seventy-two inches is six foot. I don't mean to be that guy. I just <laughs> okay. Then it's eighty-two, and I have it mixed up. But <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Regardless, I was, I was that guy. It's got like it's taller than me. I'm six four. It's taller than me. Thank God it's wider than me. And it to get it into the room was Katie helped me, thankfully, because I I would have raged if I had to do it by myself. Yeah, I'm gonna get all these upstairs by myself. Yeah. Hell no, man. Dominic DeVago said it beautifully. It is a gorgeous rack. It is. I'm jealous. I need and to figure like, out what size cameras they are because I want to talk to I want to talk to Brahms about maybe some perch options other than what's. what's hey, he did wonders for all of my cameras, and you know, if I, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't know who Brahms was, and especially enclosure design. So we keep we always reference you know David Brahms and his amazing you know perches and water ball holders and you know things to make tub life better. Uh, it's specialty enclosure designs, Facebook and Instagram. Check it out. Uh, but you're specialty going to enclosure designs.com. The specialty enclosure designs.com. Excuse me. Um, but Justin, I know that you're happy, but you are going to fall in love with those cambros. I like cambros. I don't have any issue. It's just, they cost so much that it's to me, it's like between that and like a stair light or something that basically does the same thing. I under, if you have the extra money, Splurging at cameras, like they're awesome, but I just they all they all kind of do the same thing, you know. <clears throat> yes, uh, and then Ernie McCracken asked, "What kind of rack?" It is a Habitat Systems Limited, uh, so it's got ten Cambro uh, slots. I don't know the exact size of the Cambros; they're definitely the bigger ones. Um, and this thing's a freaking monster, man. So it's got two two rows of five. Um, and that guy, it's interesting because that guy doesn't make racks anymore, but he was using this stuff called hollow core PVC. So there's heat tape in it, but the heat tape runs. It's in the, the back panel. Like it's not outside. It's not inside. It's it's like in the panel. And you put the probe in the side and it goes into that that hollow core. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm just, Wondering if that was something that they they used to make and now they don't anymore. You know why other people aren't using it, but probably it's pretty cost interesting. Thing. I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty light without the cameras. It's not terribly heavy. I mean, obviously it's it's bulky as hell, and getting it in the the house was a freaking workout. But was well, that panel that's hollow core? Is it two pieces put together? Or is it a hollowed out one? Piece. No, I think it's just hollowed out one piece from what I can tell. Huh. It's interesting. I, I had never heard of it because when my buddy, it's uh, Will Jordan at Jordan's Bow, is, he he basically, he, he had this giant rack that he got from somebody in like a trade or something, I forget. And uh, he was going to do some emeralds. That didn't pan out. And so he's had this giant arboreal rack sitting in his garage for like at least a year. And so I kept telling him, I was like, you know, I'm taking him and taking him and take it. Just got to figure out space and Finally did, and uh, finally got it over here. So, ah, there we go. There it is. Supposedly, yeah. the ma material is a major pain in the ass to work with. Others have tried. So, that go. explains it. 
but it's really well put like really well made it's got a, a light bulb on each level like in the back there's a like a light socket like you screw in a bulb and i just put some leds in there and they're you know they don't generate a ton of heat those that look similar to the one cody had yeah. all his uh, baby green trees in yeah just multiply it by like 100 size wise it's huge that's cool, man. I'm happy for you. So I have, uh, I put the, I put my two male, younger male Beox in there. Um, and then the Boyga in there. And, uh, I'm debating whether or not I want to put my, my, my adult older male Beox in, in one of them because he's in a cube right now. Um, I'm thinking I might either that or just shift him over onto the scrubs and the Jance and I and the other stuff. So okay. still kind of playing with things a bit. I still got to plug in a lot of the thermostats and stuff still. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty warm here today and I think it's supposed to be in the seventies all week. So I'm going to kind of take my time on that because I don't want them to get too hot in there. Ambience are getting a little, little high in there. So got to pay attention. Know. Yeah, man, you got it all figured out. And then I'm hoping. So, I put a lay box in with the corn. Um, she shed the other day. I don't know if it's a pre-lay or not, but I put the mail back in with her anyways, just in case. Um, I'm thinking it is. She's been spending going in and out a lot, spending a lot of time in it. Um, so if I'm going to get eggs from her, that'll be in the next week or so, hopefully. And I can move on to that. And I got some beards together. So things are kind of really kicking off. And uh, trying to catch up to Billy. Catch up for what? So I can have a bunch of cool stuff to hatch too. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I um, it makes me so happy watching the both of you guys just get clutch after clutch, and I get to live vicariously through you guys because most of my stuff is either I'm not going to breed it or it's too small and too young, and I'm raising them up. So like, I love living vicariously through my friends and watching this soup to nuts with you guys. Like it's awesome. And I can't wait to do it myself for the stuff that I plan on doing. It's going to be great. Dude, so. I, I so needed that big incubator, like just the clutches I have now, I wouldn't have been able to pull it off and I got more clutches coming. So. <clears throat> <laughs> Mike Cameron says, yes, spares. Yes. Where, where do people get that shirt, Billy? Oh yeah, uh, this shirt I have to. Uh, I'll have to pass that off to uh, Philip over there. So he's uh, got a Billy, whole bunch of them ready to go. <laughs> Billy is wearing the uh, logo from the Nefris Initiative, which is uh, my Instagram page uh, showing everything Knobtail related. So if you're into Knobtail geckos, uh, <clears throat> shoot me a, a message on it's knobtails.ig on Instagram. And uh, I'm sure we can make arrangements and get a shirt out to you. They are actually uh, handcrafted at Uwabami Reptops. They do hold up very well. Like I was, I was, I've always been skeptical about that really thick sort of vinyl and it kind of looking cheesy and like homemade, but legit that stuff like mine yeah. have not cracked. I've washed mine. I don't know how many times yep. they haven't cracked. They haven't faded. It hasn't chipped. Like Billy is, is fucking killing it with those things, man. It really is. Gotta, gotta get the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Peter Sound Python says, I'll take two. Well, they don't know this, but we have a care package that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger for you guys. <laughs> we just neglect to send it. So, but we've got to make sure because they will be attending the Daytona National Breeders Expo in August. Okay. So I'm wondering if we should just let that box get bigger and bigger and then just hand it to them in Daytona. I think that'll be good. That'd be easier. It'd, yeah. it'd be easier. <laughs> Save room in your suitcase, kids. <laughs> I forgot about the masks. I yeah. Didn't have an, I didn't get a, a magazine mask. Yeah. My, my face is too fat for them. Oh, it's the beard, man. It's not the face. It's the beard. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of beards, there's a super secret group, I'm told, on Facebook that is nothing but beards people. Really? But you're not going to be able to find it just anywhere. You got to know the right. It's like a speakeasy. You got to know the right people <clears throat> to get in there. Yeah. I really like to say that I am a founding member of this. <laughs> very, there's like 11 people in it, and Billy's like so proud of the fact that he's got the little founding member plant next to his name on there. Wait, but it, all right, so let me ask this. Did you guys make this group, or is it just I, a coincidence? I did. That, I made it. Oh. He did, and I just accepted the invite before anyone else did. So I so, was number two. Wait a minute. There's 11 people. I didn't get an invite. I'm pretty sure I did invite you. Thank you. You haven't done it yet. What are you talking about? I never got an invite for. I haven't accepted yet. I never got an invite. He probably deleted it. Thought it was spam. Probably. Probably. Is that Cody Cody Swift uh, sent me a friend request tonight on Facebook, and I was like, wait a minute. We're already friends. Like, is this another thing with like Steve Poole got hacked? I was like, should I accept it? Should I not accept it? And I saw that Henry accepted it. So I was like, ah, screw it. I got a virus. I got a virus, and then I messaged him. I was like, "Is this really you, or did I just get hacked?" Like Steve Pool. He's like, "No, no, no. It's me. It's me. I'm doing a business page." I was like, "Rock and roll, awesome." Good, because yeah, I accepted that too. <laughs> yeah, from Cody. From Steven. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, the Bears group is not our group chat, Dom. Thank you. And there is a Bears group that exists. But it doesn't ever get posted on. So I was like, we're always talking, like, I'm always talking to you guys and, you know, the other handful of people that are interested in Bairds. And I was like, let's just put put them all together in a group. Even if yeah. it's like 10 people, I don't care. Well, yeah. if someone would uh, get me some Bairds, I will post about them all the time in there. Just I'm saying. trying. Just That's saying. Good. Well, I was, was so happy. I was so happy I found the Hamakatus group on Facebook, all of its like, you know, 60 members. Yeah. And, I, and I got accepted into the group and I've been posting stuff and there's no one there. I swear I was scrolling the page. I saw a tumbleweed roll by. It was horrible. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Bairds of Venomous. It, it, yeah, it is. That's like the, uh, the Nova Guinea group. There's like 40 people in it and there's been 40 people in it for years. Like nobody new finds it. <laughs> well, as soon as you hatch them out, I'll be able to join that group. There you go. Yeah, because it's only like, I think it's me, Alan Stevens, and Kohler that post mostly on there. <laughs> Sounds about like, right. Yeah. Like, we're the only ones that have them, you know, for the most part. Boy, this cigar is good with that chocolate. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, man, I, I, the opening drags on that age 15, like we always joke about Gurkhas being like, meh, you know, but something about that 
that that what do they call it when they wrap the end of it? With like the little pigtail? The little pigtail, yeah. What whatever they do on these short Maduro, you know, little torpedoes with a pigtail, the like I can't describe it anything besides like an effervescence of sweet walnut. Like it's just wham, there it is. Right in the beginning, right out of the gate. I love it. An excellent stick. Ben, I got 19 eggs in the incubator right now. So stand by. Yeah. Uh, so we were going to talk about books. I don't think I have anything else to update on. I don't know if you guys do. Anything else we need to talk about before we jump into. No, but I, I will put out a, a, a personal press release. Um, I've actually had a lot of people ask me lately how the ring calls are doing, and I regret to inform people that the female actually passed away. Um, she stopped eating, and I'm pretty sure she was dehydrated and basically got so weak that it just wasn't working, and she passed. But the male is doing triumphant, and I'm, I'm actually looking at pictures I just took like an hour ago, and I'm probably going to throw them up here in a little bit. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to keep on it and still, you know, baby it as, as best I can without being a helicopter mom. And uh, I hope to get more in the future. Time will tell. So for those of you curious, it sucks, but shit happens. So part of it, man. Sad panda. The crappy part of the hobby. Yep. <clears throat> like my uh, Fujian rats, Fujian king rats. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That was a bummer. Yeah. Yes, it was. Twice. So, but we learn, you know, we adapt, mm -hmm. we learn. Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely won't make the mistakes I made with her. Uh, I, I, we'll just call it flat out. My diagnosis is I, I took the species for granted. You know, I took a, an animal that lives in some of the harshest environments in the world. And I was like, ah, she's fine, you know? And no, it's still a baby. It still needed to be coddled. And I know that she got dehydrated and it didn't work well. So, and, and there's the classic saying of that's why mom has 20, you know, cause some babies aren't going to make it. Right. So unfortunately, uh, as sad as it is, we live and we learn. So you also Pretty take sure, into man. account, you know, there's sometimes, you know, they're born and maybe they're on some sort of a clock because they just have organs or an yeah. organ that just isn't, you know, wasn't fully developed is, yeah. you know, for some reason, non-operational or not fully functional yeah. and yeah. that just happened to be the time that it just was like do or die and obviously it didn't do so yeah i uh, i recently gave billy a wild caught baby everglades rat snake that i found and uh it wasn't looking too hot it had a bunch tons of ticks on it so i figured you know what, let me take it in i'll you know get it hydrated get a meal in it get all the ticks off and i noticed that it didn't have a tongue it was born with no tongue and it didn't it didn't even have a hole for where the tongue should be and uh billy did did it make it or no? It's still kicking right now, but I haven't gotten it to eat or anything. I'm trying okay. to try as many things before I try assist feeding. Okay. You know, I want that to be like a last resort. Yeah. Is it uh, Is it still doing the wonkiness or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, sometimes. Yeah, that's just weird. It's yeah. nature's a cruel thing, you know, sometimes. So. Yeah. But, it happens, man. We're dealing with animals, so stuff yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, why you quarantine. Yeah. That's why exactly. That's why you quarantine. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, when I when I got that rack, dude, I I must have gone through an entire roll of paper towels, hosing that thing down with chlorhexidine and making sure everything was disinfected and sat for a little while. Yeah, I'll just spray disinfectant on stuff and just let it dry like that. Yeah, you notice though, like chlorhexidine though gets kind of like sticky or tacky. It's weird. Yeah. I've never, I haven't had that happen with F10 or anything like that. You mean, <clears throat> excuse me, you mean when you spray down it like the tub and you let it dry or after you've wiped it down? When you let it dry, like when you just leave it on there. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I usually don't. I usually use like a mechanic cloth yeah. or something and I'll wipe it off for that reason. I mean, I let it sit, but still, it just gets like sticky. It's weird. Um, so last night, as most of you know, I've been working on this book for like three months now. I take I take forever to finish books, mostly because usually when I get in bed, I really want to read. But as soon as I crack this thing open, I'm dropping it on my face because I'm trying to stay awake. Um, at work, I bring one with me sometimes, but most of the time I don't read it there either because I'm constantly getting up uh, with customers and stuff like that. So I do try to make an effort to read when I can. Uh, and I was reading... Venomous Bites from Non-Venomous Snakes, A Critical Analysis of Risk and Management of Colubrid Snake Bites, which is a great book. Shout out to Dr. Travis Wyman, who sent me this. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we were uh, we were talking about... Uh, go back a page or two. Um, the Thrasops... How we were looking at some yeah. words are hard. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about those recently because we saw some for sale and we showed, I think, a video. Uh, someone in Florida had some for sale. And it right. was interesting because I'm reading this and there's a chapter that that's literally talks about it's it's just a, a section on boom slangs and twig snakes. So dysphalidus and Teletornis. Um and it's interesting because the first thing I noticed was, or that I was unaware of, and I don't know if this is still recognized or not, but there's like three or four subspecies of boom slang. Really? Yeah. And then there was even some of some of the Teletornis. But this book is like 10 years old. I think it was 2011 when this came out. So I don't know if that's still legitimate or not. Uh, interesting. Yep, 2011. Um, let me see what page I had this marked at. 187. So it's interesting because we talked about Thrasops and how cool they are and how interesting they are. Um, but another reason why I don't take chances with rear epistoglyphs. Um, let me find it so I can read it. Okay, here we go. Uh, So it says the morphological adaptations outlined earlier combined with the high venom toxicity for humans and these snakes with notable lethal potential. Aside from a single documented case of a moderate of moderate local effects from a Thrasops flavigularis bite, the clinical importance of other dysphalidus, which includes Ramnophis and Thrasops and that same sort of family, so beak snakes. Right. Um, is unknown. Partial characterization of the transcriptome of Thrasops jacksoni suggests an array of toxins similar to those of D-typus, which is boom slangs. 
therefore, other members of this tribe should be approached with caution. Any bites from these snakes should be assessed by a physician, and serial blood coagulation assays should be included in the assessment of patient bitten by any of these species. So, pretty interesting. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they look very similar to boom slangs. Uh, they are. They occupy, I'm sure they occupy similar ranges. I don't know for sure if Thrasops intermingle as far as range. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. So I thought that was interesting. And, you know, you see them for sale. And I know you've you've dealt with them before in the past, Phil, and said yeah. that they were, they were kind of a pain. Um, yeah, they, they were not... Um, they were not cooperative in the least capacity. Mm -hmm. I would say that they're nowhere near as defensive as boom slangs, um, but they're definitely not. You know how you get you get a, a wiry rat snake and you kind of work with it and you give it a treadmill and it kind of relaxes because it gets tired out. Yeah. In my personal opinion, Thrapsops does not do that. They just flail and they do the they <laughs> death roll. And if you're not careful and you're not rolling your if you're let's say you're tailing a, a big five foot animal and you're not rolling your hand with that tail. I've actually seen it where they broke their back. They broke a vertebrae. So they're, they're not keen on being handled in my personal observation. I've never broken the tail, FYI, but I've seen other people do it. So uh, They also mentioned that boom slangs, uh, some of the... It says the the jaw kinetics of this species probably adds an additional dimension to uh, the capability of a bites being fairly well very serious. Um, uh, as these snakes exhibit a wide gaping capacity up to 170 degrees, so that I increases believe, the light. That increases the likelihood of uh, greater biting contact and bitten surface area. However, with the posterior venom delivery apparatus, some bites will fail to result in venoming. Yeah, I, uh, I've never really, in terms of in terms of husbandry and handling, I would equate them very much to boom slangs. However, in fact, I would even say that it is a a, a warm up for boom slangs. However, I feel like their defensiveness when they when they are defensive and they're not just trying to run away, mm -hmm. it to me. It, more so reminds me of the green African bush snakes. And I, I almost want to say like, I feel like the, they're almost like the gulper eel of snakes. Like they have this very elongated, very, very long linear jawline that, that whips open real quick. And uh, I think they're awesome species. I just, I, I, I think that people underestimate them. Yeah. So, well, this book is awesome. It has so it it basically assesses various species by hazard level, and so twig snakes and boom snakes are considered hazard level one, which is like most serious. Okay, um, but I mean it breaks down everything. Like it's got uh, it's got boiga um, reported reported effects, reference material, and then it even rates the evidence, like the bite reports. It rates how how reliable those are, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty cool. Yeah, because you, you, you hear so many stories of you know people get bit by a puff adder and it's not it was a, a, mm -hmm. a night a night snake or something. Yeah, well, I'm I'm about to this chapter kind of is segueing into rhabdophis, so kill killbacks. Um, that's awesome. It, that's, it even that's my it, next thing in my mind. 
Dude, it's such a good book. It's it's it is a little technical. It is a little dry. There are some medical things in there that I'm not terribly hip to, but that's why we have Google. And so if I want to know, I just Google it. Um, yeah. And it has pictures of the skulls, like actual pictures of the skulls of the different species and shows you the dentition and the actual grooves because a lot of rear fang snakes, they have varying levels of how far that groove goes down. And so with uh, boom slangs, it talks about how that groove almost goes like 60% of the length of the that, that rear fang. Wow. You said 60%? 60, yeah. 60. Wow. Yeah. Um, Makes me wonder what the percentage is on heliderms. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it talks about hog noses, like Western hog noses. Talks about garter snakes, damnophis. Um, right now, there's a chapter coming up on Boiga regularis, back on history and aberrant features of bites. So, pretty excited to read that. There's some other Boiga talk in here. Uh, what is the etiology of the medical effects of B. irregularis bites? Um, there's really, I mean, Malapon or uh, Malpalon, that's one of these coming up chapters. There's just, it. it's so awesome. And, you know, Hydrodynasties, that's another one coming up too. Uh, and basically it just says like what we all pretty much keep saying is rear fang stuff can be serious, whether you think it will be or not. And so talking about books, this so far is one of my favorite all-time hurt books that I've read. I can almost guarantee you I will be reading it again at some point. Like it's a good reference book. You know, if you want to find something about Cyania or Melanota, whatever, you just flip to it. And, uh, it's, it's interesting. And it talks about, um, there was one species. It was just talking about whether they were actually considered venomous or not. I think it was let me go back a bit. Not heterodon. Uh, oh, the uh, the Bohemian racers, I believe, or Cuban racers, one of the two. Like it's they, it's odd. They have a secretion, and it it does do things that are very venom-like. But they're saying, by technical default, as for in terms of like physical delivery, it's just not. They don't think it. it completely counts like it's something but venom they don't think so so definitely a book worth picking up um it is a little expensive i think right now they're about 70 bucks or so on amazon you could probably find it on ebay maybe a little cheaper i don't know but awesome. that's about right for a reptile book that's what i've been paying for most of mine yeah yeah i would concur i mean all and the good ones are going to be expensive i think of course yeah. especially if they're out of print um a couple of the ones that i'd like to show tonight are Definitely uh, not cheap, um, but damn well worth it. And Henry, Rhabdophis flaviceps is very, very cool, but it doesn't hold a candle to Rhabdophis rhodomelis. FYI. Yeah, I'm anxious to read that part because that was a. There was one species in particular that was fairly popular i guess over in asia in the pet trade and a lot of people had them and no one got bit by one and so everyone's like yeah they're harmless and then we talked about it a couple episodes back some kid got bit and went to the hospital and it was it was bad yeah he survived yeah. but it was that made everyone go oh shit wait a second these are not what we thought that'll happen yep you know 
That'll happen. So you want to go round robin? Uh, Billy, you got a book that ready to showcase? Because we had a lot of books for tonight, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah He's got a beer in his hand. He got yeah, a beer in his hand. So why don't we do this? All right. So why don't Billy, why don't you share a book? Then I'll share a book and we'll just keep going around. Yes, Johnny. I've been meaning to pick up a copy of that. Yeah. Bill, do you get my uh, my email or no? Uh, you sent me an actual email or text message? An actual email to see if you could show a file. Because oh, okay, hold on a second. The first one's going to kind of be two books in that file if we can. Okay, hold on. Let me open my email. Which one did you send it to? Uh, the Nephorus one. Okay, stand by. Uh, hold on. I gotta switch. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, it's okay. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. So while you're doing that, I can start talking about the uh, the first one. Obviously, complete carpet python. I mean, if, obviously, that's going to be one that I talk about. Uh, this was the first actual book that came out on carpets that basically. Uh, Broke everything down, all the subspecies and stuff at the time. Uh, I believe this was 2011 it came out. Has it been uh, that long already? It has. It's already been two, 10 years. Uh, they're talking about releasing the second one this year. Mm -hmm. Super excited about that. I know Nick is uh, working hard on that. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to get some pictures in there, or at least one picture. Nice. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh so, obviously, I've read this thing front and back, side to side, you know, to get a lot of the knowledge out of it. And then a second one I use, uh, well, yeah, we'll go to the, the propagating. So, before the Complete Carpet Python came out, this was basically the Bible, if you will, of how to breed carpets. Uh, this was written by Will Bird. I came across it in 2006. I don't remember... Uh, exactly when he like wrote it and put it out uh, just how he writes and how he explains everything uh, and the pictures and so it just it got me excited even when I didn't know anything about carpet pythons like this is one of the first things I came across when I was looking for care sheets and stuff uh, before I even got a carpet and just this whole thing well, there's some like the information in this article is still valid today like it aged very well so anybody that's in the carpets i highly recommend also having this in your repertoire if you will uh i have a a printed out copy that i'll always have just in case something happens to the server or whatever like you printed it out yeah like i've printed it out mul multiple times yeah yeah i'm a uh, i guess i'm old school in that way that if i find something that i really like i want to print it out and put it in sheet protectors, and like I want to have a physical copy in my hand just so if something happens. Of course, uh, we yeah, and we it's like just, to have the actual book pamphlet, so to speak, you know. Absolutely, and you know, showing how big of a prey item you know they can actually take. Like that's a huge rat that one's taken. How many pages uh, is it? Uh, ten or twelve. Not oh, okay. Super long. Okay. Yeah, it's an easy read. I got you. Uh, you know, and it shows combat there. Uh, you know, just really good information, and it uh, it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. When I didn't know anything about breeding, reading this kind of 
help step by step. This and the Anthony Caffinetto article that's a little harder to find now. I th- uh, yeah, I. Or like they have the baby, where they have the baby and the egg eating its tail and stuff. That was like the big picture that was in that one. Uh, but yeah, he. I mean, Will did a really good job with this. This is, to this day, still a really good article. Uh, and then at the very end, which is funny for me, is when I saw my first Carpondro. There's a really nice picture of one. <laughs> so coming up, coming up. Oh, Might have passed. Look, Thank look, you. look at that, though. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that's gorgeous. But go go up one. I think you passed it. Oh, there, there it is. she is. There it is. Yeah. That was the first that. one I saw, and then I remember seeing some of the Tona. And it's just funny how things, you know, come around, around circle. Mm-hmm. So between that, the complete carpet python, and then uh, this uh, carpet python one that came out, there we're ready. You know, I'll leave that up for a second so that people can, okay, yeah, you know, make make notation if they need to. So if you go on uh, EB Morelia. Uh, .com or .org, I forget what it is now. Um, there's an actual link to download this article. It can be a little hard to get on Will's website uh, consistently. So if you go to Eric's website, he has a download link that you can get this whenever you want to. Uh, so it's definitely a good read to, you know, if you're in the carpets at all. And this was before the big morph boom and all that. So it's cool seeing uh, like Jags being held in a high regard and uh, <laughs> diamond coastal crosses, you know, like that was a, a high end thing and tigers were top of the line and all that kind of stuff. So kind of historic too, in a, a sense. I like that about some of the older books is like seeing just how much has changed. Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like kind of laughing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool too. Older information. Yeah, it's actually funny. So going with the carpet stuff, I know it. Go we're going to say, Billy? No, you, you go ahead because I'm going to do another one. No, I was going to say real quick is one of the books I selected for tonight is very, very similar in the regard of it's an old book, but luckily now there's an updated version. So I have to I have to get the new version so I can you know compare and contrast and see how much has really changed aside from some taxonomy stuff. But, but no, yeah, go on, continue. It's like Oprah's book so, club. It, it is. It's great. Yeah. So, oh, you guys have no idea. <laughs> That's why Phil was like, "Who so, should if we're uh, going to talk about books, who should we have?" I was like, "Billy." He's like, "Duh." Yeah. yeah. Like Billy probably has more books than all of us combined. I appreciate that. I was only able to grab stuff out of the ones that aren't packed up. <laughs> I still yeah. have a whole bunch packed up. So. Well, I mean, you're you're brave. So the next the other one with carpet pythons. This one from Mark Mintz that came out in 2015. Uh, oh yeah, I meant to pick that one up. At I one mean, point. there's really there's not much. Yeah, I mean, it's there's there's not too much more out of this one that you're gonna, you won't get out of the complete carpet python, but uh, I mean, there's still good information in it. It's from a different standpoint. There's a lot of natural history stuff in here. Uh, you know, so if you're in the carpets, obviously these are the two books until the more complete carpet python comes out that, uh, you know, it's a really good resource to have. Um, I mean, I don't want to go deep into what 
all the chapters and stuff. Obviously, it's natural history and keeping uh, all the subspecies, breeding, all that stuff. The normal stuff books have. Uh, so yeah, that's my my first round. <laughs> Cool. Apparently, people want a plant episode, and I guess they want to call it Stalks and Stogies. So, whatever. Oh, God. All right. Bunch of nerds. Speaking of plants, I'll be there for that one. Billy, I'll have you know that of the clippings you gave me, there was one species that was very waxy in texture and bright, bright, bright green and very, very thick stemmed. Was that still Pothos? Uh, I honestly forgot what I threw all in there. I know you had pothos. I know you had. I gave him a grocery bag filled with stuff. He was like, "Dude, I just wanted like a couple cuttings." I was like, "No." I gave him pots. I gave him everything but soil. He did. He did. <laughs> well, but, uh, so of all those cuttings you gave me, the the one that I'm referencing is definitively a different species than the others. Um, that thing is doing so well in reptile UVB. And then all the other cuttings are just dying. <laughs> so that water, is so. that's one thing I'm excited about with this with that big rack is because there's lights in it. I know that I can put pothos in there and they'll actually grow. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm convinced after having pothos in the Spilotes and Pacillanotus and Amazon cage, like I literally have a nine watt puck bite LED in there. Phil's seen it a couple times. Like nothing crazy. And those things are absolutely exploding. And I have uh, philodendrons in the Pac-Man tub. And they get almost no light at all. And just whatever comes through the window behind the rack behind me. And they, uh, it, like, it's new growth all over the place. So yeah, it's just... We'll uh, definitely be able to do stuff in this Cambros. I, uh, I want to put in the of all the of all the cuttings that one was doing so well in the in one of the girdle tail enclosures so i was like you know what these other ones aren't doing well so let me just put them all in that girdle tail enclosure and i think it's just too hot mm -hmm. and they're just they're not doing well <laughs> so that we, live, we live and learn I have, that's why i gave you a whole bunch so you could try different things yeah yeah i've got a philodendron varicosum in the um tannin bar setup and when I first planted it in the little, I'm going to get them switched over to Cypress at some point. So I don't have to keep taking everything out to replace the pad. Um, but I put a Violet varicosum in there because I, that was in one of the tanks that didn't have any frogs in it. And I, I took that out before Reed took everything. But <clears throat> at first I was worried because it wasn't like the, the initial leaves and those little stalks were dying. But now that thing is like sprouted new ones and that thing's going like crazy too and that's such a pretty philodendron and the leaves get huge and i'm like super pumped and i hope like the pothos is already starting to crawl and take over and if i can get that switched over to cypress soon that'll look pretty baller yeah the uh, the ones you gave me in the pots i uh i wanted to make sure that i was doing everything correctly so those are actually living very comfortably in my bathroom uh and i figured once i notice them grow a little bit and get a little more lush then I'll start putting them in enclosures. So perfect. What but, I do, what I do with my pot stuff is, I you've seen it. Just to explain it for everybody is I have yeah. the pot. I'll plant the plant in there, and then I take uh, 
the sphagnum moss and I put maybe an inch of that on the top of it. And uh, I've noticed a lot of the, well, the Pacillanotus especially, he likes to burrow in it and use it as a hide as well. So it, you know, it does double duty. Uh, so that's a good idea to do too. Awesome. Yeah, those are nice. Buddy. Yeah, they like look like they're <coughs> electric. Yeah, this is definitely an episode that if people are listening to this on their commute to work, they're going to want to stop and watch the actual, you know, video version. Yeah. So. Do I even want to know what Dom's talking about with the butt chug watering method? It's just watering from the bottom of the pot instead of the, the top of the pot. She's making it very inappropriate <laughs> and uncomfortable. Yeah. She's making what it those, uncomfortable. With those that. glass things, the aqua bulbs that you put in the plants. Remember those like twenty like uh <laughs> like fifteen uh, years ago? Dude, we had those at Walgreens, those things sold like freaking hot cakes. Yeah, I remember that. That's funny. So back to books. Um my first book pick if I can screen share, I try, I went to Amazon so that I could, so that people could see that they are attainable and what the going rate would be. So a complete guide to snakes of Southern Africa. Um, this is actually written by Johan, who's the director of the African snake bite Institute outside of Johannesburg, South Africa. And the guy is, a wealth of knowledge. He's written multiple books and this book was actually, I have the old version. This is the, the new cover. I have the old cover. Um, I'm pretty sure it still has a bush snake on it. Uh, if you're looking for the old book per se, uh, I have the hardcover. It's a great book because oh, these pictures are horrible crap. I may run in the house and get it. Uh, it basically has a breakdown of every species of snake uh, the types of the types of snakes they are, whether they're potentially dangerous or not, uh, their regions, where you might find them, uh, encroaching in human development, uh, all that stuff. So if you're curious about snakes of Southern Africa, and it's not just South Africa, the country, it's, it's honestly Southern Africa as a whole, the Southern portion of the continent, uh, it, it really gives you a good idea of what these snakes are living in, what their day-to-day -day is going to be, and it's a good reference guide too for if you ever do decide to go over there and do a little herping or visit family or go on vacation or whatever, it gives you an idea because so many snakes in the region are so very, very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to the untrained eye to really pick apart some of these smaller ones, you know, whether it's a, a, a night adder or an egg eater or a, or a different, you know, a juvenile puff adder, whatever it may be, they're all very, very similar in appearance. So this book was actually, uh, I, I found it very, very helpful for a multitude of reasons. And as you can see, it is on Amazon. Paperback's only 25 bucks. Uh, I, I'm probably going to wind up getting the new edition of the hardcover. So and go from there. But definitely That's a, really a good read. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's Johan's book. So it's not like uh, he contributed to it. It's, it's his book. So it's awesome. His photography is awesome. Yeah, his photography is breathtaking. So. Should I should I go grab the actual book and show it off? Sure. Yeah, let me run inside and grab it. I'll talk about my my second round draft pick. <coughs> I guess. Yeah, let's hear. And these these aren't in any particular order, just so everyone knows. For me, 
Uh, yeah, mine aren't either. Yeah. I'm going old school. <laughs> oh, look at that. Corn Snake Manual. So I've had this book since I was but a boy. I was actually reading it the other night because I have those corn eggs on the way. And to make sure that I'm not a complete moron when it comes to incubating them, which should be able to be done without really any issues. Um, I mean, A, it's like I remember these. I used to bring this book to school with me all the time. But I remember that that corn in particular had me hooked on Aztecs, which I guess I don't know if those are pretty much considered what Tessera are now. Um, this book's 21 years old. It's from 2000 and it's, uh, by Bill and Kathy love, obviously who took over the corn snake world in their heyday. And, uh, the goats, this book has seen much better days. That's for sure. But one of my other ones is in even worse shape. Cause it stayed in the back of my uh, Ford Explorer at the time in high school for like a year and got all kinds of jacked up. So, well, yeah, you know I, they're good when you actually have wear and tear on them. And yeah, actually use them. This one, it's insane to see how far corn snakes have come. A, yeah, just in the short period of time that this came out compared to you know now. Um, but this is just it's it's a good book. I feel like if, even in twenty years, this book's still going to be helpful and useful and relevant. Yeah, so absolutely. Good and thing. then. That picture always cracks me up because, <laughs> you know, all them little baby corns probably shat everywhere. And, you know, I actually I have that book. Yeah, the blood reds in this book are amazing. And that's one of the reasons that I was really hooked on blood reds as a kid, too. So can you flip to one? Uh, I don't have that book. It's not going to focus. Oh, you get the idea. Yeah. And like that ghost. I mean, yeah, that's, oh. that's nice. Oh, crap. Yeah, they were doing, the loves were doing some awesome stuff with cords. And they were still doing them. So I got the book. Um, I was correct. It is, it is an African bush snake on the cover. You try and get it so the glare doesn't affect it. There you go. Um, nice. And for those of you who, have listened to this show a lot. You may remember a story of me finding a book from my late mentor after he had passed away at Daytona. This is actually that book. Oh, so okay. it actually has his Found stamp of with his name That's and cool. address on it. Um, <clears throat> but if I just flip to the middle, this one's actually in black and white. Um, in the beginning, I'm pretty sure there's some color plates towards the end. Uh, this book was originally put out in, oh geez, 1992. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Johan's been doing it a very long time. Um, but it goes over simple bite procedures mm -hmm. and, and a lot of this stuff, because it is a lot of a rapid stuff too, is a lot of it's still good today. I'm sure there is some poor information in there. Um, but there's taxonomic drawings and then maps of where the animals are found, which is pretty awesome. Were there a lot of changes made from that version to the new one? Uh, I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with um, localities, like in terms okay. of uh, regions of where they're mm -hmm. found, and then taxonomy for the most part. Um, 
there's like a whole section of garter snakes, which is crazy. I gotta, I gotta make sure that Matt Most gets this book. Um, but it also, it, it does break it down by type of animal in terms of like uh, colubrids, lapids, viparids. Um, and then well, let me find some of the good stuff. So here's some of the color plates that are in the back of the book. I imagine the new book is probably a little more up to date in terms of pictures but it gives you a great reference as to what things are supposed to look like, um, as well as what things might look like, because it does have some regional variances. Um, but you look at some of these animals and they're just, they're so, so similar in appearance. Like for example, on this page I'm about to show you, you have the common night adder, the rhombic night adder, the rhombic egg eater, and the East African egg eater on the same page. And look how similar those animals are. Yeah. Awesome. So it is, it's just a fantastic book. I, I highly recommend anyone gets it, even if it's just a paper copy, because it's, it's 25 bucks on Amazon. You know, you can't really go wrong. Uh, just because we were talking about Thrasops, which I don't even think is in here, because I think they don't go this far south in the continent. Um, <clears throat> There are so many subterranean and fossorial snakes in southern Africa that nobody even knows exist. It's crazy. That uh, book looks beefy, man. It's full of pictures. And oh yeah, that's awesome. Like I know, I know that the the taxonomies change on this, but you know, Matt Most and I have talked about this before, but the the wolf snake, the Cape wolf snake, Capensis capensis. Like, look at that thing, man. That thing is crazy. The, I mean, the camera's not doing it justice. But trying to find, oh, I get that. But yeah, that's the book. Complete Guide to Snakes of Southern Africa. I like it. Good pick. Yeah. So now Justin did the corn snake book. Billy, you're next. I'm next. Uh, real quick, Billy. Yeah, I make these. Uh, I make these hats. And then other Bill said he just got the uh, corn snake manual after Justin showed it. That's pretty funny. All right, so my second pick. Wait, like he literally bought it just now on Amazon? That's what it looks like from the uh, off of eBay from the comments. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so second pick, How Snakes Work. Uh, this is a really cool book because it goes into basically how snakes work, for lack of a better term. Uh, you, you, don't, into, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, right? Who would have thought? But like, it goes into how they move and how they breathe, how they feed, how they breed, all this stuff. Like, how they shed basically anything that a snake does, it breaks down, but it's not like a textbook to where you can't understand it, you know? Like, uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable read, yeah. So, like, here's a good page, like it, uh, if you guys can see it or not, well, in focus, that is, but that's a cotton mouth eating a dead fish, you know, it's talking about, about foraging behaviors and stuff, uh. You know, and it's like that's how in depth it goes into. Uh, 
you know, and it says why they have their skin, why they have their scales, why, you know, basically anything you would ever have a question about, this book goes into. Uh, so I had another picture I wanted to show, but it, I lost my, my spot. Now, does it cover just snakes as a whole, or does it even go farther into, like, the same way that a chondro can fold its its body over itself, but a puff adder can't? Or, and you, but a puff adder can do the caterpillar trick on the ground, but a chondro can't. Does it go into those kind of locomotion stuff? Uh, it does have a whole chapter on locomotion. Uh, I don't know if it has that specific example you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it definitely talks about how they move and what scales they use and different species do different things. Uh, like, obviously, sidewinders are a big example. Uh it's just snakes as a whole. It's not just venomous. It's not just non-venomous. Uh, one that I really like, the part that I really like is this part. Because, you know, the old world rats, they always puff up and all that. It goes into, you know, how how they go about puffing up and how they, uh, actual physiological, physiological reasons behind it. Uh, so it's definitely like nerdy stuff, but... Super cool. So yeah. So anything, I don't know if anyone's checked out this book or not, but anything you'd want to look at. I know we did a review on it early on in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a good book just to learn more about snakes in general and why they have certain things. And then when you start to see other species that have different adaptations, it's cool to read that book and then say, okay, well, the snake has this adaptation for this or for that terrain or whatever. Uh, you know, it's cool stuff. I like it. Does it have a section on like eggs and how they develop? And that's something I've been wanting to. I have a herpetology textbook that I've been meaning to look at because I'm curious. Like, I've heard with chondros, like the last two weeks, you get more air exchange, and so they, you know, they need to they need to breathe a little more. And so I want to get more information as far as like what's actually happening. Uh, that'll be two books from now, not this one, but that'll be two oh, books. Okay. From now. <laughs> Stand by. That's so cool. I love it. <laughs> Let me see. I have my next book. I'm trying to figure out when it was actually published. Because it's old. as dirt. Is it still attainable? Uh, probably. Well, yeah, but I don't know if this version is. Okay. Because I, I won't lie. I, there was a bunch of books. I was like, oh, I got to show that. Oh, I got to show that. Oh, I got to show that. And I was like, no, that's just me flexing because... I don't think you can get some of the books that I was going to show. So mm-hmm. I specifically chose stuff that I know I could find on Amazon. So, oh, well, sorry about the complete carpet python that's out of print. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but th- there is there is still copies available that are not astronomically expensive. You just got to do a little digging. Um, I would say check out a books. Uh, a books is a phenomenal uh, book website that's basically if you can't find it on Amazon, they're going to have it. Um, it also it does kind of an Amazon thing where they have bookstores from around the world that will go onto their website. So it'll say, uh, here's, you know, the snakes and stogies volume one. It's 1995. If you're in England from, you know, Bob's bookstore, or it's $50 if you're in the United States from Justin's bookstore, you know, definitely check out a books. If you feel so inclined. Reptiles of the world by Carl Gans. I've had this book almost my entire life. I used to carry it with me. 
everywhere I freaking went. It looks like it was published in 75. And I don't know how many times I read this book as a kid, but I mean, it's, it's old as crap. It's in really rough shape. It's got a bunch of, it covers like some, some lizards and snakes and crocodilians and turtles and a lot of random, I don't know what made him choose certain species, but like scarlet snakes and then flying snakes. And, uh, I like how old books like that, like the back page was like, oh, it's in color, you know, like that yeah, was the, the yeah. big draw on it. Yeah, that's awesome. So this is one that I've always had. And I like I can't even find this cover like the one I see online. It's a different cover. So I don't I don't know if this was like a first edition or well, open the publisher's page. And what year was that one produced? It's missing the whole publisher's page. Yeah, I probably I, I don't know if it was me or if it came that way, <laughs> but Still, I don't know. And this, the, even the smell of this thing just brings me back to like the fourth grade sitting in beanbag chairs during lunch. And like the, there's like a reading, like you can eat your lunch in this room and read. And this <laughs> was the book I had with me. So nineties uh, kid. I love it. Yeah. So that's my third. Uh, is it back to me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next one I'm going to do is a fairly modern book. Um, I have several of them in the series, but I, I, don't, I didn't even grab the right one, but all right, let me figure out screen share real quick. Cause I have both the book and the screen. Do, 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 do. All right. So Terralog. Now, Terralog is a series of books from Edition Chimera. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Edition Chimera, they're a German-based publishing company that specializes in very, very well-written books for both the science and the hobbyist community. Um, they're world-renowned for their reptile and fish books, and, as well as amphibians, excuse me. Um, there's basically two types of Edition Chimera books. There's what they call a white cover, which is more for scientists and academics and that kind of thing. There isn't a lot of husbandry or feeding or breeding or anything like that. It's mostly just the actual animals themselves in the wild. And then there's the black covers, which the black covers are more of our kind of book per se, where an academic could still use it and still gain a crap load of knowledge out of it, but it does cover husbandry and feeding and you know natural history of them and their behaviors and that kind of thing. So, uh, the Terralog series is kind of the third part to all of that. The Terralogs, they're very, very large books. I'm going to show you one of them right now. Um, they're almost to the standard of being like a coffee table book. Um, but the books have barely any words in them. Uh, the intro basically is a list of everything that it covers. And then they go into a brief description of what the book entails. So like the one I have on the screen here is Venomous Snakes of Africa. Uh, when they say volume 15, that's the 15th volume of the Terralog series. It's not the 15th book of Venomous. Uh, there's only, I think, five Venomous books right now. There's only two or three on geckos. There's, I think, two or three on turtles. But these coffee table big books, uh, the beginning is on half German and half English. So Are you freaking kidding me, Bill? What's up? I said Reptiles of the World by C. Gans is $596 on Amazon. Wow. Pass. 
Bet you I can get 300 for it. Probably. Used condition, acceptable. Probably. So, <laughs> so yeah, so these books, um, I'm about to show it to you, but I figured I'd just talk about it first. I find them fascinating because not only does it show you multiple different pictures of a specific species, but it also shows you maps of where they're found and then the terrain in which the, the animal was, was actually found. So if it has a picture of it, I'm going to show it to you right now. I mean, like they so, have pictures of that environment. Oh, yeah. So I just grabbed the first one I had on the shelf, which happened to be Venomous Snakes of Europe. Let me try and get this word. There's no glare. That one must have been so, pretty short. Uh, it actually, they're all about the same thickness, believe it or not. Um, uh, this one, okay. it, it literally says Venomous Snakes of uh, Europe and Central and Western Asia. So this is going to cover the Middle East. This is going to cover the Near East as well as all of Europe and most of like the Mediterranean type species. So if I just do a quick open on the inside cover, just the inside cover is a full map of whatever book is being covered. And that's, that's a modern, awesome. that's a modern map. And then if you go to the very back page, it's going to give you a more basic map with the countries and some cities and stuff like that. So once you open up to the actual middle of the book, we find a species that people actually care about. <laughs> All right. So here, I just have an open to the Echis genus. So in this particular one, you'll notice there is different species accounts, right? Can you guys hear me okay or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, hey, so different, different species accounts. And then you also have a map of the region, and then it's a highlighted area of what's what. And then underneath it in here, well, in here, will be a description saying, okay, you know, purple is one species, red is another species, and so on and so forth. Um, and then they'll also show the habitat in which the animal was found, which I think is super cool. So, I mean, that's kind of a mundane picture because, let's face it, it was Saudi Arabia. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of there. Um, but here, if we go to, say... Here we have some Vipera amidites. It'll actually show the different patterns, right? And you'll notice there's also keys underneath it. So it'll say what kind of animals they eat, what kind of eggs they produce, you know, clutch size, that kind of thing. Um, it also goes into uh, a lot. It talks about temperature. Um, hold on, I'm trying to find you something that's. Good. Right, here's a map with multiple colors on it. Uh, I can barely see what I'm doing, but you can see that they're showing different species, right? So essentially it is a glorified picture book, but it gives you a ton of data with great pictures of both the animal, its ecosystem, and then different phenotypes. I, I happen to just open up to the spider tail. So it's showing you this, the actual spider tail viper. And then you'll, you'll see the, the habitat in which it lives. You know? With a picture of it in the foreground. I like that. Right? So these, awesome. these books are absolutely fantastic. Um, but then again, it is a glorified picture book. Um, you can always, learn so much from pictures if you, oh, you yeah. know, don't look at it just at face value. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, here's a Kaznikovai. So Ooh. look at that. 
boy, you got my attention. Right. Nice strike going on there. It's the coolest species of Vipera there is, man. And then, like, the map of where they're found. If I can get it to work. There we go. So, again, these books are they're super, super intense. Um, they're not cheap. They start about 50 bucks and go all the way up to about 80 or 90 bucks if they're still in print. Um, and they're just, they're awesome books. And Does the see, African one have pseudo Haji in it? Uh, yeah, 100%. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I had all those on my Amazon wish list for the longest time. Yeah, so this one, uh, Venomous Snakes of Africa, Volume 15, is on Amazon hardcover, $74.83. It is not, not it does not appear to be on Prime. But yeah. Awesome book. Yeah, I like I how they break did. down everything with the the map showing where they're from, what they look like, and then the habitat. Yeah. Like you don't even need text. Like that's yeah, that's, when you're reading stuff, that's all the stuff you're looking for. Yeah, and let me let me open up the key because there's so much information in the little symbols underneath each picture that you know we, we rarely ever examine the actual key of it um hold on a second oh it's all in german uh. yeah basically there's a there's two or three pages of how to read this book you know because it is a very unique layout And like I said, this is still in print. Uh, this particular one was produced in 2010. <clears throat> Why can't I find this page? I give up. But yeah. Do you want me to go get the African one, Justin? Um, not necessarily, unless you want to. I was just curious if they like, you never see anything about Gold's tree cobras, so I was curious to see uh, if they I'll, I'll go get it. Haji I'll in get there. It. One of my favorite African species, and it's just pretty much because there's like no information on them anywhere ever. There's not that many pictures of them either. Let's see. Uh, to answer the question, I'm not going to Lakeland this weekend. I have to work. <clears throat> Honestly, I probably won't go to Lakeland unless I'm vending it. I keep. I've probably been disappointed going as a consumer the last four or five years but it's always been after daytona so everybody always is out of their good stuff you know mm -hmm. and just show, show me the money just to show you that like you were saying how the european book must be very small this is the African book. You know, there's, it's they really cram a ton of stuff in these books. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I wonder if the pictures they have in there are the same as the ones that you find on Google. Just for like, just for Sudahaje. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like it is like that species, man. There's just, I wish I could find someone that's actually done stuff with them. Cause I, I would totally have them on the show in a heartbeat. Well, I mean, ben, do it. Ben, do it. Come. Can be the best antenna ever. I, uh, I had them for a month and I sold them. All right. So there's a lot of mysteries surrounding them and myths. <laughs> this is still calling the water covers Christie eye, which I think is great. Um, the, the snake that no one wanted until he changed his name. All right. Oh, I feel like I'm in here's Mamba's. I'm in the neck of the woods. Hold on. Garter snakes. Oh my god, there's so many garter snakes. So many. Oh, oh, look what I happened to find. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at that guy right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep keep going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> All right. No one wants to see your fancy hog noses. My fancy hog nose. Uh, what I do find very interesting is this book is still calling all of the um, forest cobras uh, the same. Yeah. So they're all Melaleuca. Well, that was a recent thing, too. So Yeah. Can't really fault them there. Look, look at this cape cobra. Look at that. Oh, butter. That's awesome. And then the map of where they found it, you know? Capes are cool, too, man. I think those are probably my favorite species of, of nausea. All right, so here we go. Paranausea multifaciata. You want to see that? No, I want pseudohaje. Dude, dude, paranausea is so much cooler. Look at this animal. Look at that thing, dude. Look at that. All right, hold on. So you've got... Looks like four pictures. Yeah, four pictures. So I've got one from. Uh, it doesn't even say where they're at. One's in Cameroon. There you go. Ah, those are so weird, man. Yep. Aren't they like some sort of odd link between mambas and cobras? I mean, I guess. I mean, they to me, the the body is a stretched out cobra, and the face is is like I a think short mamba. It's like a snub nosed mamba, yeah. But so yeah, and awesome red squam on the cover. Yeah. Terralog, check it out. Does it cover all the atheris? Uh, yeah, actually it does. Um, stand by. Even Rungwansis? I think Rungwansis is in here, but I don't think the... Uh, I don't think broad the eye is, to be honest. <laughs> Let me check. Hang on. It'd probably make a lot more sense if I just went to the friggin' index, right? Maybe. I don't know where the vipers are. Hold on. Oh, dude, Ceratophora. Ceratophora. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
All right. So, oh, it does. It does have broadly eye. Um, Was that like pre Matilde too? Yeah, I believe so. Ceratophora, Ceratophora, Chloracus, lots of Chloracus, Desei. There's Hispana, and then there's Hirsuta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Hispana, Hispana, Hispana. Catagenensis. All right, here's your wrong answers. I'm curious what pictures they have of those, too, because that's another one you don't... Yeah. I got you. I remember on the World of Atheris site years ago... They had a picture of a, a Rungwansis, and it was like a really drab, boring-looking one. And then you see pictures of them, and you're like, holy crap. Yeah, like, look at the swamp. Yeah, boy. Look at that. Wow. That's pretty. Yeah. Ernie asked if anyone in the world is keeping Hispita. Um, Long-term, probably not. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple people that have gotten pretty lucky uh our good friend ryan reed he has an associate that's been doing it and i'm pretty sure he bred them this year but he's raising the babies up to make sure that he knows what he's doing you know so i have one for six seven months i bet I you the babies are adorable oh yeah oh yeah they gotta be so justin what's your next book or are we back to billy I think it's, we're back to Billy, I think. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> besides carpets, my other obsession, a world rat snake. Uh, as far as if this one is in print still, I'm not sure. I got this copy uh, by chance from Matt Most. He had a shipment come in uh, you know, maybe a year and a half ago or so, something like that. Uh, and I think he was sold out within like an hour. Like I just happened to see the post quick enough to be able to finally get one. So the whole thing with this book is that it has, uh, you know, different species accounts and just little blurbs on all the different old world rat snake species. Uh, and then it has a couple of papers that they just put together at the end of the book to, you know, just have some solid information. Uh, I really like, let me get to it real quick. Yeah, Miguel knows. Uh, they have a whole paper on uh, Ridley Eye. Nice. So you can see the whole, you know, the whole eating bats in the cave thing. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And what I really like to see and these is that you're seeing, sorry about the glare, but, uh, you know, in the hobby, we get so caught up in, oh, they have to be Cameroon Highland animals and they have to be, you know, super contrasty and bright orange, blue heads, all this. When you see like most of the ones that are out there, you know, I guess we in the hobby, we call them Malaysian locale. Uh, you know, they're in the dark all the time. They don't have to be super bright and all that. So, it's cool seeing the natural, uh, natural way they're supposed to look. Um, well, it, it's interesting. It's funny you say that because my roommate used to have one. He had a big, like, like six footer, and that thing was almost gold. 
you know, and it's so different compared to like yours, you know? Yeah, they're definitely uh, very variable. Um, I have, well, you've seen mine, Phil. Yeah. Uh, my male is very bright and probably what everybody wants. Uh, my female isn't as bright, but they're both at, like, they were both sold to me as Cameroon Highland animals that should be high contrast. Uh, but it just goes to some variability, you know, in the species. Uh, another one that I really like in here, which obviously would be the rhino rat. Sorry, Smitty. Where's the Jansen uh, eye? <laughs> you know, so, and it's, it's cool because it's like a, it's like an actual scientific paper that kind of got amped up to be put into a book to where uh, it's easy to read, you know, or I find it easy to read. I mean, there's some parts that are very scientific, but they have quality pictures, you know, like you have all the information and then, oh. you know, really nice pictures, stuff like that. When was it uh, published? This one, let me see. Uh, 2013. Yeah, so there's been a couple of these books out. Um, which I, this part's kind of cool. I was able to get a signed copy before uh, Klaus passed. Um, nice. So that's really cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, just little things like that make it really cool. They have a whole nother... Uh, they have another whole paper on, uh, oh, on these guys. I'll bet Mark you Dan is. isn't even here to see that because Dan would be pissing himself. He's obsessed with those things. Yeah, it's awesome. um, it's cool. Like it's a, if you can see that or not, it's a whole paper on those guys. You know, and, that's awesome. Um, and it, it's very cool to see a paper. Uh, by the way, when we say paper, we're talking about like a scientific documented description or a scientific journal in, in that kind of paper um but when you see these papers from resources there's no layout it's just words but now in that format you get all these beautifully articulated photos that cover sheet right there you know it's gorgeous yeah so the other part i want to uh point out that this book has because you know, as you can see it's a pretty book you know there's a mm -hmm. lot of good information in here the front half is uh well, it's $200 on ebay yeah. that's yeah new, that's I think, sealed yeah yeah they're they're not cheap uh like i said matt matt got lucky and i got lucky finding it quick enough but the front part of it is you know just show a species like i know you guys like the rain rats yep right the bush rats so It'll just do a little species account and then a lot of the different variab like the variability within the species and then where they're at. I gotta uh, get that dude. It'll it'll show if you can see it or not. It'll show like where each picture is, where the locale is that they're from. Uh, Phil, it's like our Google it. Drive without being the Google Drive. <laughs> yeah, pretty, exactly. Legit. <laughs> that's exactly it. You know the rest of them, and then it goes on to the next species. So there's like a anywhere from a three, three to seven page blurb on any type of species you know that you're looking at. Uh, 
I mean, this is the English version, obviously. There's a German version, obviously, because, you know, Klaus is from Germany. Um, but the, I, I honestly have been trying to find this book for, if I'm completely honest with myself, probably eight to ten years. So the fact that I actually have it and I can reference it whatever I want to is is crazy. And the amount of information in here is ridiculous. Like when I first got it, uh, tell you guys how much of a nerd I am. I went through and all the species accounts that I could find and all the species that I either work with or wanted to work with. I went through it frontward, backward and took notes on everything. And I have a notebook, you know, just kind of to help me remember it. Because when you write something, you remember it more. Uh, so if you can find this book, 100% uh, recommend getting it. It's not the easiest one to find, but uh, great stuff if you're into old world rats. There's I one for sale in sweet in Switzerland, but I don't know if it's the English or, ver or, or German version. Is it, yeah, in, is it in Swiss francs? How much is it? $99. That's $99 really cheap. US US with twenty three dollars in shipping. That's very yeah, cheap. That's crazy. But I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's English or not. Yeah, that's the other thing. Because I would hate to buy that and then get it and it's German. Not that uh, I would still appreciate the pictures, but you you would you would find choice phrases that you could make out and then <clears throat> you could always uh, Google has the translation app now where you can take a picture of, of clear text. You can't do like cursive or anything, but clear text, and it will actually translate the words that you highlight. And I've used that for several uh, scientific papers that were in German and French, where I'll take a screenshot of it, and then, you know, on my phone, I'll use my finger and I'll highlight the sections I want, and it'll translate it. It, it works very well. So I made the mistake of buying Carl Linnaeus's uh, original text, not realizing that it was literally photocopies of his original text. And I'm pretty sure the whole thing is in Latin. And Google does not want to translate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I paid eight bucks for it, so whatever, but still. There's that. <laughs> That's right, Billy. Next, for me, Venomous Look Snakes of the World by Mark O'Shea. Wow. This thing is spent a very large amount of time in the back of my first car during high school. Wow. And it's one that I read a lot and had on my desk a lot. Awesome pictures. Talks about all kinds of Eurasian vipers. And it's got cool little pull quotes about O'Shea's like little stories about those. And he's got uh like there's a section on rattlesnakes. He talks about a timber bite that he took. That was like one of the worst that he ever had. Look, a wrinkles next. Nice. Um, <laughs> look at that. There's, there's, that's like the one legit picture of a pseudo Haji I've actually seen. Yeah, like, that's a, the, like a the legitimate picture. picture that's clear and concise. Yep. Um, talks about it a little bit. I love this book, but they're freaking gigantic. So and can you do me a favor? Can you favor? Can you can you open can you open that? Huh? One more time, Philip. Can you can you open that to the publication page and find out what year that one is? Uh, this one I remember I got it when it was new. It's not that old. Um, eighty-seven. I'm guessing. No, no, we're yeah. talking. Let me like say, let me say, nineties, two thousand five. 
Okay. Because I have that book with the Tremersurus on the cover. And that Tremersurus version, I, I can't find. Yeah, that's it. Can't find that anywhere now. Apparently, there's a rattlesnake on the cover with like cactuses. I'm trying to remember what was on the cover of this one. I lost the jacket forever ago. Obviously, yeah. this thing's this thing's been through a lot. So <laughs> clearly, need to read it again too. Yeah, yeah. Those pages are stuck together, Billy, on the on the Atheris section. Giggity, giggity, giggity. Okay, Philium. Stand by. What's he doing? I think there's an airplane flying over him. <laughs> That's what I thought. I wasn't Okay. <laughs> He's getting dive bombed. Yes, there was an airplane flying over me, so I muted myself. Um, I live by an airport, and usually they're pretty good about not flying this late at night because it's all private jets and stuff. But I swear that must have been a, a Marine Corps Harrier or something because it was loud and sent. Um, Justin, I just threw that Amazon page up. Oh, yeah, you did. Sorry. That's all right. So uh... going, going back to Edition Chimera, we talked about how white covers are for academics and black covers are for herpetoculture. Uh, Asian Pit Vipers Breeding and Experience by Dick Visser. Now, old Dick. old Dick Visser. So, this book, Hen Dog and I jokingly call it the Tremerserous Bible. I waited a long time to buy this book because I was kind of skeptical about it. And then I wound up buying it, and it is breathtaking. Because not only does it give you everything you'd ever want out of husbandry, but it gives you clear and articulate descriptions of every single species. Everything from Rhodostoma, Calicelesma, to, uh, you know, Dynakistrodon. I mean, you name it, it's in this book. And just to show you folks how awesome this book is. And by the way, on Amazon right now, it's $210. I know for a fact you can find it less than 100 bucks. That's how much I paid for mine last year. Um, just be weary of to as to where you buy it because the first vendor that I tried to buy it from, uh, they were out of stock and they're like, oh, we don't know where we're going to get more. And that seems to be the trend with this book. So wherever you want to buy it from, if you can call them on the phone and say, hey, do you physically have it in your hand? You know, go for it. Um, I'm oh, hold the phone. What? There's an edition Chimera on Europlatus. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's only that. in German, though, right? Uh, I don't know. I just I think it's, I think popped it's, on I think it's eBay. <clears throat> no, so, this is English. Well, there you go. So here's the book. All right. It's, it's not that big of a book until you turn it this way. And I have the dart frog this, one, and it's a freaking beast. You hit somebody with that thing, you're going to kill them. Oh, yeah. This is a <laughs> so legit. Heavy. This is the Tree Viper Bible. So, hold on. I got another airplane coming by. So, aside from it, aside from it having the maps and the photos and just 
everything. It even has Visser's handwritten notes. And you can tell that this is a book that he's been working on since probably the 1970s. But like, for example, talking about a sketch of sketch of act of striking as I observed Hifnyan Nepa, which I don't even know what, what that is, <laughs> stretched out while striking and position three is posture after strike. His literal notes, his drawings. Hmm. Look at that. That's awesome. So let me just flip some more. Um, average temperature and precipitation of Yangming Shan, Taiwan. Right? Yeah. Um, and then it goes into the actual, you know, species profiles um, with crazy photos. Um, and in true edition chimera fashion, the maps are still there. The maps are very articulate. It shows independent islands in different localities and phenotypes. Uh, we find something that's a little more obscure. It also shows, you know, reproduction. And, and is that all before the, the cryptolytrops parias? No, split? this is, it covers all of that. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of, most of these are tremorsers of, of the green pit vipers. Most of them are tremorsers, but there is parias in here. There is cryptolytrops in here. Um, when was that published? All, I think 2015. Oh, okay. Uh, Not that long ago. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. But, and I say that you can tell that it's it's very, very old because or the not, he's been working on it for a long time because some of the husbandry photos of like enclosures and heat lamps and stuff like that, you can tell that the photos are very, very old. Um, let me try and find, I mean, here, I just happened to open up to Waggler's. Mm -hmm. So you have sketch drawings. And then you I have the it. actual photos to match. Yeah, those um, will be the ones for me. You know, it covers medical stuff, not to get all gooey. Um, and then the caging stuff. You also have, I can find it. In the majority of the book is actually species profile. Um, it talks about caging and ventilation and how to, you know, properly have airflow and cool. make, you know, making monsoon seasons and annual precipitation and barometric pressure and all of that stuff. <clears throat> you know, and it, it does cover physiology and morphology, you know. Mm -hmm. So an amazing book. You can find it for around a hundred bucks. You just, you yeah, on abooks.com, there's a couple there for sale overseas, but you're still looking at a hundred and twenty-seven dollars shipped. So I mean, you're still saving a good bit of money. So yeah, yeah. I and mean, even at that, that's that's worth it for the information you're getting. Yeah. yeah. And like for me, I'm not even a big tremorous guy, but like Calisolesma, Dinakistrodon, like those are my snakes. I love those species. Mm -hmm. though. It's almost like Justin with the getting the Subak book. He bought the Subak book with the intention of just reading the Baird's Rat chapter, but at the same time, he fell in love with with Subaks from that book. And I feel like this book is is exactly the same way. You know, there's species of pit vipers in here that I know for a fact I'll probably never see in my entire life 
because they're so protected or so rare. Which ones? That, um, the Fairy Island is probably the one that's my favorite. Um, let me try and find it. Oh, look at like Schultz Eye, bro. Look at that animal. Yeah. See, I, oh, that's Ugh, one of the coolest awesome. species of pariahs, dude. It's, it's just one of the most stunning snakes on the earth, on the, on the planet. Um, and then, like, you know, I, I love my purple maculatus. There's like 12 pages on just purple maculatus. Um, hang on a second. Let me find some of the more rare stuff. You know, it goes into the islands of the Philippines and like all the different McGregor eye. Ah, uh, yes. Like, that's not a leucistic animal. That's just a white one. White McGregor eye. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, here's like a slate blue McGregor eye. Look at that. See, now I talked about the Buniana. I'm pretty sure it's Tremercius Buniana. Of course, there's you know five or six pages on just Insularis and all the different island phenotypes of that. They cover all the different types of macrops, you know, the ones with the rust on top that come out of you know, Sumatra, and then some of the more blue ones that are in Thailand. You know, I mean, here's live bearing photos in the wild. That's awesome. Like, imagine rolling up on that. Oh, awesome. Where's I think it's, and does it, think it talks about the difference between the th three groups? Um, well, to be brutally honest, I, I may be mistaken because most of the stuff I'm looking at is all tremorous, so I'm wondering if this is still calling everything tremorous. Um, say, so I feel like that splits happened after 2015. It may have been fasciata. What do they have, cryptolytrop or um. Not crypt, um, perps, tremorous. Okay, so yeah, that I would assume because those are cryptolytrops now, aren't they? According to some folks, I'm old school and I call everything tremorous, but which is probably why I didn't notice that they all were tremorous in this book. Um, if I can't find it in the next five seconds, I'm gonna go to the index. Uh, here's some Solaris. Cambriensis. I've always been curious what the difference is between those and the Venestus. Oh, they, they're totally different. Look, hold on a second. I'll show you. The they look similar, right? They are very, very similar, but Cambriensis is so much more mundane than Venustus. And and Cambriensis, you know, they only come from one small, tiny, tiny region in central Thailand, uh, right where the Malay Peninsula meets the actual mainland. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, you know what Venusus looks like. Here's the quintessential Cambriensis, if I can get it to go. Uh, okay, yeah. So they're still you. small. Um, Head looks they're nowhere, yeah, they're nowhere near as brightly colored as Venustus. But I also love this book because it, it's not prejudiced to just cover S Southeast Asia or Indonesia specifically. It goes up into China and it goes into uh, southern uh, Nepal and Tibet and uh, India and Sri Lanka. Uh, now I give up. I'm going to have to go to the index. Like, look at some of these drawings. Uh, probably a blind spot. These two scales probably obstruct the field of vision. It would seem that these snakes have no subocular but a nasal and postnasal. 
this way. Hmm. Like legitimately Visser's notes over the years. I wish they would have put the year that he wrote these little drawings because I feel like that would have just made it so much cooler. All right, I'm gonna open the index because I'm wasting time. And of course, there's probably, you know, five or six pages on Mangshang's, which I think is very. Should be. If you look at the photo of where they say the Mangshangs are found, um, if I can see, it's one little dot. That's yeah. It. So. Do they have proto up in there too? Uh, they do. Um, here. Well, I, I guess well, let's let's say if they have Mangshangs, yeah. Well, they're, they still consider uh, Salamanchinensis in this book. Mm -hmm. So, um, here, bear with me another moment while I find this freaking snake. <clears throat> My arm is actually getting tired from holding this thing up. They're heavy, <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's a legit textbook. All right, yeah. species accounts. Oh my god, there's so many. All right, um, Tremercerus buniana 272. So here we go 277, 274, 272. Uh, so, Tremercerus buniana, or what, they call, what they're calling the fairy pit viper, is <laughs> found on one island, the island of Tiomar, right? Um, How is it spelled? T-I-O-M-A-N. I mean the scientific name. Oh, it's a, a B is in Bravo, U-N-I-A-N-A. -A. Oh, okay, I see it. Yeah. I've heard of these, so I'm looking them up. That's cool as hell. So from what I gather, this island, uh, so in, in this book, it actually references, uh, label is one of the most beautiful places on Earth by the American Time magazine. Tiamon has a maritime tropical climate that ensures temperatures never drop below 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, they can climb as high as 32 degrees Celsius all year round. So because of Time magazine saying how beautiful it was, people were going to the island and basically messing it up, humans. So mm. the Malaysian government, uh, from what I gather, put together a team of park rangers that are basically paramilitary, and if you get too close to the island, uh, they act accordingly. So the odds of us ever seeing Bunyana for real in captivity is probably not existing. Um, and for those of you who are actually watching this live, that is Tremercerus Bunyana. Well, there I see those, and then I see uh, Sabahai. Yeah, those are really pretty. Um, they're they're actually there's a bunch of people in Europe that have them. They're 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 not as rare. I see. That's what I'm looking at right now. That's what came up. But yeah, that blue one is like the picture that seems to be. Yeah. The one. I know that there was a couple expeditions. Uh, where guys, guys and gals, scientists were allowed to go and do some readings and some some note taking and photographs, and 
there was some some more modernized pictures that came out but for the most part it's completely devoid of human contact which is <laughs> awesome but still crappy at the same time Brandon said That's I have three books in my shopping cart at the moment since you guys started talking. <laughs> I, I added a bunch to my wish list as we were going to. Oh, I love it. I love it. Good stuff. So I'm going to show you guys one thing of uh, Tropodilemus. Latisinctus? Hold on. I'm trying to get it. Hold on. Uh, Hurry. Ugh, it's all the way in the back. Ugh. Bill said he already ordered two. That's awesome. And tell tell us what books, guys. Let us know. <clears throat> Subagnolatus, Philippinensis. Oh, my God. Here we go. There it is. Oh, yeah. Laddies, baby. That's it. The snake that looks like yeah. it came out of the Matrix. Yep. So, if you get a chance to do it, Asian Pit Vipers, Breeding Experience and Wildlife by Dick Visser. I, dude, I want them all. Like, someone yeah. somewhere has like the complete collection of every Chimera publication that's herp related somewhere and I'll bet you it's worth a small fortune. Of course. Thomas asked if we could get a comprehensive list of the books discussed here for later reference, which uh, we can. Yeah. We have to so do. if you both can send me your list of what you have, I'll put it together. Can do that. Uh, yes, most definitely. And actually my good friend, Noah, just text me because he's watching this as well. Uh, he's been on a Bushmaster kick lately. Um, there's actually a great book on Bushmasters uh, by a gentleman name of Raymond Dittmar, and it's called Bushmasters and the Hunt for the World's Largest Viper. And I did not select that. I have that book. I did not select it because I've only read like the first third of it, um, and I just I, I got wrapped up in life and never picked it back up. But I'll share it real quick. It is on Amazon. Um, sorry, to my wish list. sorry to cut in line, boys, but there it is. So Dead Mars was yep. the OG. Oh, yeah. Of, I guess you could call it modern herpeticulture, right? It's yeah. still considered modern. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's actually um, uh, several gentlemen that were ecologists or naturalists at this time that have some crazy pictures of Bushmasters in this book. Um, but this book is more of a story and I think it's fantastic because you're getting the story of these expeditions and, and this, these adventures with the knowledge of the animal as well. So again, I have to finish it. I haven't finished it, but Noah, that one's for you, bud. It's kind of along the same lines of Lizard King, right? It's like the story part of it. Yeah, very similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. So. Am I up again? Famous, you are. There's a there's a famous herpetologist, uh, Ronald Wagner, uh, who there's a, a picture of 
him in Peru with what is thought to be the largest Bushmaster ever found in the wild. Um, it's him in Peru, and he's in like a cow field or something, and he's shirtless with a cowboy hat, and he has a stick that he broke off of a tree, and the Bushmaster is estimated to be about 14 foot. But again, it's a black and white photo. It's from like 1906, so it's difficult to gauge, you know? Mm -hmm. This this next one for me should come as no surprise. Yeah, the complete, yeah, yeah, yeah. The complete sub -oc. There it is. Um, I bought that one solely because you talked about it, dude. Like, like Phil said, and I've said, I bought it just for the chapter on Bairds. Yeah, and ended up wanting sub really bad by the end of it. So. Now I got my handful. I, it's like, it's weird because this book inspired me to get subox by me getting subox. Andy Middleton got some subox. Uh, Derek Dykstra's got some subox and Bairds. Uh, it's just funny how you know you talk about something enough people get interested in it, and it is such a cool species. And one of the things about this species that I find so interesting is just the fact that there's still a lot to be learned about them. Um, they have a specific tick like tick, parasite tick that specifically feeds on subox, which I thought was really interesting. Um, they talked about captive care, uh, breeding sort of the standard, um, show some, show some locality examples, uh, talks about some of the morphs that have popped up and where those came from. So dusty roads did a really good job with this one. Um, there's a ton of pictures from Troy Hibbets, who's a guy I've talked about before too. He's he's seen a ton of bairds in the wild, um, but like it shows like localities and stuff, sort of the variation and uh, I don't know. It's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, it's a solid book, man. It's a really good read. And then I don't if we were just doing five, I don't I I have to add I had to add a sixth. This book, course. this book yeah. changed the game, which is Green Tree Pythons, Natural History, and Captive Maintenance by Dr. Drew Lander and Terry Phillip. Um, they don't the only have to other, be as huge, and they don't have to be kept as hot. The only other book that's really gone as in-depth on chondros has been uh, Greg Maxwell's book, The Complete Chondro. And I tell people all the time, I've said it on ChondroCast and all that stuff, get both. Get the Maxwell book, get this one. They both, like, Maxwell book still has relevant information. This just basically says, hey, as far as humidity, feeding, temperature, go buy this. Like, go buy this, not go buy it, but go off of this book when it comes to that. Um, it's it's a great book. Um, has a lot of really good pictures. Shows some of the charts as far as rainfall and stuff, too, in their natural range and temperatures. Talks about some of the like diseases, like prolapses and and stuff like that. Uh, tons of information. I think if you're if you're keeping condors at all, like you have to have this book. It's just it's got so it talks about all the different localities too, and some of the some of the uh, designer stuff. And there's a nice chapter in the end about Rico Walter, which I thought was really good. Very cool. Very cool. So those are my top picks currently. It's a great book. So I, uh, I know we originally said we were going to do five, but 
it's actually good that Justin did six because I realized I only did three so far. Um, the fourth one, I, I didn't bring outside, but I'll show that one. This is just a quick one. Um, <laughs> anybody who's more who's minutely curious about pygmy rattlesnakes, this book is so good. Yeah, I was going to buy that one because you were talking about it. And I was like, oh, I should get yeah. it. Now, it only covers the Dusky, right? Came out in 1656. Is... Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not 1656. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it was produced in 2012. Um, the book is super thin. It's a quick read. You could probably knock it out on a, a, a really good time sitting on the toilet. But for 15 bucks you will learn so much about dusky pygmy rattlesnakes. The book has great pictures. It covers natural history. And it even goes into a small section in the beginning about how it's believed that the dusky pygmy rattlesnake is actually the oldest species of rattlesnake in existence. And that all the other crotalids evolved from the dusky or what, what the dusky really? would have been millions of years ago. Yeah. So it's a See, super and there's cool some book. used right now. You can get it used for ten bucks. Yeah, I mean, but hey, it's it's ten bucks used. You might as well get it brand new for sixteen dollars. You know. Well, it says there's only three left in stock, so. Well, everybody needs to chomp on that. So. And Brandon asked a good question. He said, "Are there any books you guys can think of that aren't worth it that you thought were good off the top of your heads, like that you initially went?" Which I have a very big one that I was very excited about and thought was going to be great, and it ended up I didn't even finish it. It was so bad. And that is. Uh, yeah, that was that was Carl Sweetak, uh, Sweetak, however you want to say it. Adventures in Green Python Country. Uh, I managed to find a copy of it for like fifty bucks, and I was excited to read it. Um, the main issues is that a lot of it is him recounting stories of him going to Papua New Guinea, which is fine and all. But the issue is he talks about like conversations that happened and there's a lot of them. And I'm like, there's no way. And this is from like the seventies that he's talking about. It's like, there's no way you remember those exact conversations that happened back then. And then some of it was just so over the top, uh, you know, there was a little bit of braggadocia in there and just, I, it was just, it was too much. It got to one point where like there was talking about like him and his lady are in a hotel room on a trip and something about like they were going to get a bottle of wine and remain intertwined all night or something. I was just, it got to that point where I was like, I'm, I'm done. I can't. Was, I said, I, I, I sold it to Carly. I was like, have fun. I just unfinishable to me. Couldn't do it. That sucks. That sucks. I don't know. I, I don't think there's really... I'm sure there are books in my collection that were not what I thought they were going to be. But <clears throat> it is honestly kind of hard to buy a reference book, because that's all I read is reference books, is to buy a reference book on herpetofauna that even if it's not the information you were looking for, the information you expected... There's always something there that you didn't know or that you maybe would think differently on, or, you know, your thoughts have evolved on it. So, I mean, what do you think, Billy? Do you have any books that you, I don't want to say regret? Uh, the one comes to mind. I don't 
regret it. I think it's more of a. It's pretty accurate, Ernie. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, there, I forget the exact name of it, but it's the uh, it's an older rat snake book that's just it encompasses all rat snakes. It's a bigger book, uh, yellow uh, cover. I got it mostly because, you know, like I kind of like history and all that stuff. Uh, the same reason I'm probably going to say I don't like it is the reason why I do like it. Because I like the history part, seeing what species used to be grouped as and how all a lot of the information is outdated as far as classifications and stuff like that. Uh, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, I like it for that. And at the same time, it's like, well, it doesn't do me any good. But it's also good to know the, the origins of everything. But I forget the exact name of it. Just... Uh, you guys were, or Smitty, you were there when I bought it, uh, in Daytona. Uh, I think I remember that. Yeah, it's, it, uh, has a Ganyo on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, yellow, yellow, yellow cover, it just says rat snakes on yeah. it. Yeah. It's just late 80s, early 90s, which obviously things change. Uh, I don't know, like I, I said, the, I, the historical I, like, part. I like having those older books, though, because it's kind of fun to look back and you know, see yeah, how different I mean, things were. And... Yeah, like that's the only one I really, I could even say that to, you know, which I don't regret it. I like having it. I still look at it, you know, all the time. But... Yeah, that Sweet Tech book, man. Oh, my God. It's was, it was tough. Yeah, I will say that not to harp on, you know, Edition Chimera, because let's face it, they're definitely my favorites. Um, if you really want to get the white cover books, go for it. There's a lot of information in there. Uh, they're not, in my personal opinion, they're not a hobbyist's book. So although you will get more information than you were hoping for, it may not be the information you wanted. Um, you know, I purchased the Snakes of the Lesser Sunda Islands book, um, assuming that it would be more uh, phenotypic. It would go more into each individual island. It doesn't. It basically is a brief synopsis of each species that you might encounter, which let's be real. There isn't really that many out there in that, in that Island chain. Um, but again, I don't regret it, but I think that has more to do with the fact that it is a white cover opposed to a black cover. You know, it is yeah, more you, uh, the, the academic opposed to the hobbyist. Yeah. You talked me out of getting that one. So I was going to get it too. Yeah. But you also have that try book and you said that one was just like just over your head. Which one? That that book by Fry on Venoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So, like, Dr. Fry is an amazing, amazing person. He is extremely knowledgeable. He has, you know, contributed to herpetology and herpetofauna more than most people have. His book, I, I waited months for his book. I pre-ordered. I finally got it. It's bigger than that Viper book I just showed you. It's a massive, massive. It's a legitimate textbook. And the parts where he's writing about about stuff, it's more than readable. But the actual information that you were looking for, oh, it's it's science jargon. It's like reading a contract. It's incredibly <laughs> hard. Like it's above my pay grade. It's above my it's above my brain capacity. So kudos to him for writing an amazing book. But it's too sciencey. So too sciencey. 
Billy? I mean, I'm, I I'm a dummy. Have a, you know? I actually have a herpetology textbook that I bought. I do too. Uh, yeah, it's got like a, I forget what kind of lizard on it. It's like a third edition. Let's uh, see. The difference between a textbook and his book, and again, I'm not knocking his book per se because the book is an amazing book. I'm too dumb, in my personal opinion. I'm too dumb to read it because a textbook will explain to you what things are. While as this book, if you don't know, you know what a word means, you're. It's like reading Greek. So, would you say it's more of like a reference for other toxicologists or toxinologists? Like, oh, 110 percent. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're in your your you're in graduate school and you're going for a PhD in toxinology, definitely get this book. If you want to learn more about venomous snakes, and I mean, you you can get a lot of information out of it. Don't get me wrong, I know I did, but it's tough. There's a lot of shit in that book. So, I'm I, and that's the thing is I don't want to slander the book because the book is amazing. I am not educated enough to read it appropriately. I'll say it like that. Makes sense. Oh man, it's 165 well, bucks. Well, yeah, I got. I I paid, uh, I got no, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I paid like 150, 160 when it first came out. So. <laughs> Brandon said, "I just just found out I care for your rattlesnake for ten dollars." <laughs> Nice, nice. Well Billy, spent. what what you had one that uh, about eggs? I have. You said I this. have. I have two more. I have one that I can go going to, and then one that I haven't completely finished yet that I just wanted to kind of put out there. Oh, so sure. I could knock, knock them out. out. Do it. Yeah, do it. Right, I like how so the hat matches the shirt. I like that. It doesn't really, but the lighting. Looks good. All right. I think it's so, interesting how he, Billy's back into his snake room. Opposed to the office. Well, you guys said all the you said all the uh, the audio like picked up everything, so I didn't want this mic doesn't seem to be nearly as sensitive as the other one was. It's it's the same exact setup. I was just in a different room. Uh, Yeah, but to be honest, the ARS racks probably do soak up some of the echo and reverb. What I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Look, just hang carpet on the walls in your office, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get down there. It'll be a lot cooler too. Right. (laughs) All right. So, uh, this one, I mean, classic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I finally found this one, it was, I didn't even think twice. I saw it at a show and I mean, it's beat up and stuff. Like I didn't do that. I bought it like that. Uh, but the information in this book is absolutely invaluable. It's insane. Uh, I know Riley's so, talked about that one a lot. He's he, yeah, it's a good one. Everybody should talk about it. If you mess with bows and pythons, like this should be, if you're trying to breed them, like this should be your Bible. Like everybody should want this book and reference this book. I think it was, I want to say ninety two. Let me double check real quick. Because that's no, the one that that, that was by Rossi. Uh, he did the what's wrong with my snake? Yeah, the vet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ross. Yeah, it's another great book to have for anybody. Anything medical related that you're curious about? Talks about symptoms and stuff. You know, it's a good one to have. And, and Billy is it ninety? 
So before I was born, this one came out. <laughs> so now, is that book first edition? Because I have that book that uh, Matt and Jamie actually gave me that book. And mine's not blue. Mine's black. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Why? I'll take it if you want. <laughs> no, I'm I don't know. I honestly don't know as far as the different okay. editions. I've seen both, so I'd imagine it must be. Because when I take the cover off, it's red. So All right. I don't know if that means anything or not. Okay. Uh, so, Smitty, to kind of... This doesn't completely answer your egg question, but like just to show how in-depth it goes. It goes into... Uh, like whole cycles and stuff of follicular development and all that. Uh, every time I crack this book open, I learn something, you know, cause I haven't just sat down and read it cover to cover. Uh, and even if you did, you, 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 you know, you would go back and reread, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's, and I, it's that and book. I do. Yeah. And I do. Uh, personally for me, one thing I really like about it, which I actually just told Jeff this. I don't know if he's still watching, but uh, they use Maclots as a a big example for a lot of the stuff that they do. They call them Indonesian water pythons, uh, and it just goes with the times. Like going back to herp history and stuff like that. Uh, Maclots in the early '90s, late '80s were everywhere, you know, and everybody produced them, and they were just one of those things. It's Richard Ross, not Rossi. My bad. I said Ross, Andy. I get points for that, I hope. Uh, so, I mean... Rich Ross. I want to... Uh, let me find one picture that always stood out to me that I thought was really funny. Because, like, Smitty, you know how we got the old uh, acrylic containers that Eugene Bissett used to have for the green yep. trees, right? One right up there. Yeah, I got one in my garage. Thank you for that. Uh, it has this picture showing... <laughs> in neonate green trees, you know, in jars and stuff with live plants and all I that. I forgot that I won so many of those damn things. I just started giving them away. <laughs> I know. No, I appreciate it. I I definitely made out on that. I ended up with like 10 of them. I was like, I gave one to you, Steve Tyrell. Like, it's like, please take one. But it, like, it goes into how to make your own incubator. It goes into nest boxes. It goes into you know, all the different development of all that. And it goes into bows and pythons. And that's the first half of the book. The second half of the book, which let me get to one that you can see it. Oh, here. I'll like this one. So it's a short one. But. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Look at that. All right. Let's hope that happens that's in a few awesome. years. Huh? Right? Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But what's cool about it. Let's see if it. Here. See, like. They're just showing those, the lesser sundas. There's no information. Right? You see that little chart thing? There's nothing there. So you go to, uh, the next one is blood pythons. And it goes into when they mate. If you guys can see. When they breed and when the eggs hatch. You know, when <laughs> the, they hatch and stuff. Wow. And they do that for every species that they have in this book, pythons and boas. Uh, I mean, they even go into, see if I could find them real quick. Like they even have Argentine rainbow boas. I know how Phil makes fun of me for like a nose. Uh, 
they're nice Colombian rainbow. Like, yeah, right. You won't yeah. get you won't get anything. You don't appreciate them, you won't get them. Uh, but like they even go into the uh, bromeliad boas. That's kind of that's what oh, I'm looking for. Oh, neat. Um, which obviously there's not a lot of information on those, but uh, see. there was some on fauna for sale recently for like a grand. Those yeah, things are like so right cool. You know, and then it, you know, it gives all that. <laughs> Obviously, there's no information on them in the Why the even chart put it? Part. Like, why do they even put the chart if they don't have anything? Uh, well, they had. So you can see, like, that one page is literally all they have. Uh, like, that's all they have on those guys is that. Mm -hmm. It's the whole book. And in that little paragraph there they're talking about the houston zoo that had two live births come from animals that they had imported uh you know so it's just it doesn't give a lot but it gives you something you know and it also exposes you to that species because they didn't put it in there people wouldn't even know those things were around you know yeah uh, first time i saw them was in a reptiles magazine issue and mm -hmm. that's the only time i ever saw them i didn't see yeah. them again until Ten years later, on King Snake or something, you know. So, so, it's a harder book to find. But if you plan on breeding uh, pythons and boas, I mean, it's definitely a good resource. It's aged really well. Uh, I still, I know this season, I referenced this thing so much it was ridiculous, uh, and I found myself starting to get more in tune with my animals, and I started catching ovulations. I was catching the different signs that my females were giving, you know, that I haven't in the past. Uh, I definitely attribute some of that to, to you know, this book and the information in it. Uh, and then the last one that uh, I haven't gotten through it yet, but the little bit I have, it's amazing. Uh, Hunters in the Trees. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. If you work with any type of arboreal animal, uh, these things are like this thing's amazing. That one's been uh, on my list for a long time. Yeah, it's. I saw it in Daytona. I bought this one and uh, like a natural history uh, tree boa book in Daytona. Like I didn't even think twice about it. I just boom, you know, because I've heard great things about it. Uh, let me see. Yeah, like they have a tree viper. Uh, chapter uh cat snake chapter which you know that'll be your boy again stuff mm. um, pythons and boas bind snakes uh there's so much stuff in here man it's it's absolutely insane so you know even if you you just have you know say an amazon tree boa or something like that it's something that you know, it's it's worth getting. Like, there's quality content in this, and the chapters on the obscure stuff, like the Boyega chapter, is like 12, 13 pages long. You know, and it's a, a decent sized book. So, yeah. can, let me see if I can get add, some pictures for you. Add that to my wish list. This is a good one, man. You know, what's what's also so cool? So here we go. Irregularis, right? It's showing from a bite mm -hmm. from them. So. More reason for the, that all the free handling. That's from an irregularis. Brown tree. Yeah. Tree. 
No, I think man, Browns Browns are probably the most serious out of all of them, man. You know, there's a picture of another one. You know, uh, another brown. Yeah, see how big it is. I mean, that's a big saint. You know? They get big. Yeah. They get freakishly huge. Yeah. Uh, let's see. But like, here's the second page in the the Boyega chat. Like, that's all good information. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, so, like, there's something here for everybody that if you like uh, arboreal stuff. So, like, Phil, your your tree viper stuff. Oh yeah, look and at that. That's there. Uh, let's see. There's slug snakes. Um, here's a Here's a really good shot of a Belodes sulfurus, you know. Mm. So just right there, thumbing through it for 10 seconds, there's something all three of us could get out of this yeah. book, you know. Yeah, uh, And Absolutely. then there's tree boas and pythons and anything else you can think of. So I highly recommend that to anybody that's into anything arboreal, you know. Because even if, let's say I read the Boyega chapter, I could take something out of that and apply it to my Amazon tree boat. You know, like yeah. if you go into like, I've talked to, I think I've talked to you, Phil about it. If you go into all these books and all these scientific papers with an open mind, it doesn't have to just be for that specific species that you're reading about. You know, like you could learn so much and try different things. We're in a hobby of trial and error. So you can, you know, really up your husbandry you just have an open mind when you read stuff about different species. It doesn't have to be snakes. It could be lizards of that area or whatever. That's all I got as far as books that aren't uh, packed away. We could do another <laughs> probably two or three shows with the books I packed away. See, it awesome. just it sucks because I all I want like I have a habit of buying books and then they sit on my shelf for years until I actually get around to reading them. Like I want to read all the time. It's just a matter of like, yeah, I'm the same way. Making the time for it, you know. And you hear people talk about like successful people read a book a day or something like that, and I'm just I'm like, how is that possible? It must be short. I mean, what works for one person doesn't work for everybody. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also think that I I bought I buy books throughout the year. You know, if something comes out, I'll get it. But what is that? Oh, two seventy. Cool. He's asking how many pages. <clears throat> um, no, that's all right. Uh, but there's also something cool about finding the books. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we always talk about the first thing we do at Daytona, we go looking for books. You know, and okay. I go on Thursday. I think that <laughs> must be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but I think that there's something unique because even though all three of us, we all keep similar species, but we all keep something totally different too. And just what you were saying about how if keeping the open mind, like I would have never bought that arboreal book, you know what I mean? But the more you just describe it to me, there's no reason why I shouldn't have that in my collection, you know? See, and I was thinking the same thing about your Asian pit viper book. Even though yeah. I have no desire to ever have venomous, I'll never have an arboreal pit viper. I could take different things from all those notes and everything that they found studying those animals, and I can apply it to the stuff I have that's arboreal or semi-arboreal. Yeah, you know, so. absolutely. Because at the same time, what you know, the 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 
Asian rat snake that's slithering through the bush that the tree viper happens to be sitting in. They're living in the same town. Mm -hmm. They're living in the same bush, you know? So the ventilation and, and the temperatures and the annual rainfall and all that, it's all relative to both of our animals, you know? There's a, so you know how I, I upload papers to the magazine group every now and then. Right. I have a couple of folders that are just filled with different stuff. And I have papers that are about lizards from areas that have snakes that I keep, you know, and that's what got me interested to it, you know, and they said, okay, uh, you know, the brown fence lizard of Thailand. I'm like, oh, well, I bet baby Thai beauties, you know, feed on those. Why wouldn't I want to like learn about them? Because when you learn about them, that's going to help you understand your target species even more. Mm -hmm. That was actually something I was thinking about earlier while I was driving around. I ran to, I had to go to the store to get some toothpaste and I was thinking about it. Like I want to find a book on, on mice and just like social structures and learning like basically how they work and finding a, because everyone talks about how much they struggle with breeding mice. I have yet to really have any issues. I, I have a couple that'll cannibalize here and there, but for the most part, mice have been a breeze for me. And so it's, I wonder, uh, yeah. I just I want to find a book or something on them. I need to do research and and some googling and like that's the nice thing is now you have a Google Drive. You can get a Google Drive for free and you get 15 gigabytes off the bat. You can anything you find like that you can just save right there and you can get to it on your phone. You can get to it on your computer and you know you're you're not going to fill up 15 gigabytes of space with documents and papers very quickly. You know. Right. Right. Well, like uh, Brandon said. I think there is a free PDF of the yeah, I need Python. They just released uh they just did that that Trimeresserus book for free as a PDF. It's like 365 pages of Trimeresserus stuff. The, the one I showed? I don't know if it's that same one. Okay. But it's If you look if you look hard enough, you'll find stuff for free that you can just download mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I mean There's even so pictures much information out there. You know? Yeah. Like what me and Phil are doing with the Google Drive and the Bairds and the uh, Boiga. Like I have a Boiga log that has just pictures of all the different species on iNaturalist and stuff and Flickr. And like, yeah, I'm saving people's pictures. I'm not using them for public things, though. Like it's all for personal use. And then I have, you know, like Jeff. Like Jeff has the link to that that Boiga folder, I believe. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, just save that stuff. You know, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, it can't hurt. So, 235, gentlemen. Yep, we'll just kick the uh, the herping thing to next week. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I didn't, I didn't think we'd fill up an entire show with that, so. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I knew we would. And then when you said bring Billy in, I was like, yeah, there easy. You, you know what I think is really interesting is that like even like Phil said, we keep the same. Like we keep similar things, but then right. when you look at the books that we, so when we said, hey, like just get some of the books you have that you think are really interesting. Right. Like you can tell what I'm interested in and what I focus on, as opposed to what Phil focuses on, you know, and Justin and all that. It's just cool seeing how the different dynamics work. The Venn triagram. Yeah. There you go. That's it. 
and it's funny because before when when i called billy earlier to tell him hey you're coming on the show tonight uh i said hey you know do you want to talk before the show to make sure that we didn't pick the same books and then billy kind of paused and billy was like really you think we're really going to pick the same books what are the you know like come on there's no way so. like i knew <laughs> i knew green tree stuff and the subak book wasn't going to happen you know because smitty's going to have that <laughs> right you know? right but there's so many other things you know and then i think it was interesting how you guys had so much venomous stuff you yeah know, which obviously i know you guys are deep into that a lot more than me but. i think it's interesting too that some of them are pure nostalgia and then the other handful are 100 percent content and the you know the yeah. information inside you know, oh yeah totally sort of, there's everyone has that book from their childhood that's you know always yeah. going to be on the shelf until the day they die yeah and also the 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 diversity in the type of book so like i showed picture books you know what i mean billy showed uh books that are specific to a topic at hand while it's justin went more of a species specific so like it, it, it's all awesome. It's awesome. Well, I definitely have to do another one at some point because I know we're all going to... I have plenty of other books I could have talked about. You know, so. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah we yeah. could do a few of these shows, honestly. Yeah. there's a. have got like 10 or 15 books from just 2020 that I haven't even opened yet. I feel like Carly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. So, it does happen. It happens. All right. Well, this show is brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out. Here's the baby wrinkles that we'll leave you with. That's a sweet this, hog nose. He's my special boy. He's my special boy. He's my special boy. Yeah. Those Dude, those bands, baby. And that one freckle in the middle of his hood, <laughs> like, it drives me crazy. Like, I want to Photoshop that freckle out. But I find it so interesting at the same time because if you look at that scalation here, let me let me zoom in for a second. I'd throw him if out. You, He's in perfect. Like it's one scale. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's just so cool. And trying to get him to sit still for a photo was not easy. <laughs> yeah, the fact that things in focus is uh, very impressive. <laughs> the head's a little blurry, but <laughs> I can't do that with carpet. That. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will get, was, what's that? I'm gonna get the I'll get the list of books together and put them on the uh, the THN page so everyone can find it. I'll send awesome. you a uh, either a picture or something of all of them. Make it easy. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks everybody. Well, thanks everybody, <laughs> Billy. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks. Anytime with books, I'm a nerd. So. Oh, yeah. And tonight, again, tonight was brought to you by the fine folks over at Puget Sound Pythons. And we're still convinced that Billy is actually a robot. He's look not a that, robot. Look at that dead stare. That's a, that's a He's robot. He's not a robot. Terminator. <laughs> it's oil. Yeah, it's actually oil. Yeah, that's it. The next THP episode should be Scott Iper, and that is going to be actually, we're going to be recording that Friday. So because he's in the future, Thursdays didn't work out for him because that's his Friday. So um, Scott, it's just going to be one night later. And then I don't know what else we got. I know 
Graham Battison's supposed to come on sometime. I think the eighth is when that's going to happen. And then I know we have some other people we've talked to. So, yep, we have some good old, uh, some, good old Scott. Yep, and then uh, from uh, also going to say, uh, sorry, my brain's shutting down. It's that time of night. Uh, for those of you curious who want to get in some Venom Life Gear apparel or some Get Hooked Snake Hooks or Snake Utensils. Uh, if you use the promo code THP, that's Tango Hotel Papa, you can receive 10% off of your entire order. So go to Venom Life Gear and get hooked snake hooks. Use the promo code THP. You get 10% off. All products. There's no expiration. There's no limit. 10%. Yep. And at the same time, you can also know at the same time, you can also know that whether you use the promo code or not, 10% of all their proceeds go to the asf treating snake bite the most neglected tropical disease in the world in west africa as well as all over the world so 10 percent of all the money that you're paying for the snake hooks and the hats and the shirts and the stickers and all the cool stuff that they produce 10 percent of that money goes directly into research and helping snake bite aid in impoverished areas the sclepius snake bite foundation you see those? Brent had those patches. I need to get my hands on one of those patches. Dude, I, I messaged. So I, I texted him immediately after the show. I texted him. I said, what do I got to do to get that patch? He's like, oh, I'll get you one. I was like, no, no, no. I don't need one. I need like 12 because I'm going to use them on everything. I'm going to lose <laughs> them. Yeah. So uh, and for those of you put it who in are, the Subaru? Of course, I'm going to put it in the Subaru. I'm going to put it in the Subaru, put it on my backpack for when I'm field herping. And at the same time, too, uh, if you guys are not following the ASF on Facebook, you need to be because they also have their apparel store. They have coffee mugs, T-shirts, and sweaters. Again, all of the proceeds from that go directly into non-for-profit treating snake bite in around the world. So you can get yourself a t-shirt or a sweat, a hoodie, pullover hoodie, or a coffee mug, and all that money goes directly into helping people, you know, fight the most neglected tropical disease, snake bite. Their shirts are super soft too. Very comfortable. Yeah. So again, thank you all. Thank you, Billy. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. See y'all later. Bye.